I need some magic spoon to get me going today. Welcome to the completely unnecessary podcast for May 25th. It's a Tuesday. Don't worry. 2021. It is Tuesday. That's Ian Furnison. Ian, what did I say? Furnison? Furnison. I'm thinking of Furnaces and Christmas Story. Ian Ferguson with a snappy olive green shirt. I'm Pat Concher with a black light shirt with alien stuff. Aliens are coming. On the show today, well, they really are here. On the show today, um, we'll be talking about uh, we're talking about Netflix getting into gaming. Have millennials killed nostalgia? Uh, the Skyward Sword amiibo controversy, hot tub streaming, and lots of other goodies. But seriously, about the alien stuff, I didn't realize that uh, you know Obama went on um, the James Corden show couple weeks ago mm-hmm. and he basically said oh yeah there's stuff in the sky we don't know about like that's i can tell you for sure he joked about saying oh yeah I, I, there's stuff i can't tell you about which i'm like mm, are you joking obama <laughs> are you joking barack but yeah they're, they're doing the, the drip they're gonna tell us something pretty cool in june it's gonna be more of yeah there's a lot of stuff in the sky we don't know what it is which which should get more attention than it has been i don't see why this isn't like people are talking about this every day and they're like, yeah, there's craft in the sky. We don't know what it is. Why June? Is that just the day that they said they're going to come out I and talk think to it's, us about it? It could be the one decent thing the past president did. I, it was part of the stimulus thing from my read. It was like you have to declassify certain reports via the Pentagon by this date. It's like June 20th or uh. something. That was like thrown in there for some reason. Um, so, yeah. So they've been doing this slow drip through 60 Minutes. They did the story from a couple of weeks ago, which is stuff that they leaked out a few years ago about the Nimitz in San Diego in 2004. That one, there was one that happened about five years ago. And they had all the pilots on 60 Minutes say, yeah, we saw this stuff. One guy said, one of the pilots said, I, we see stuff every day, he said. For a couple of years, we said, we saw stuff in the sky every day. He said it just like that. And it's like, and the, and the reporter was like, oh, every day? He's like, yes, every day. <laughs> This goes back to the to the, the the astronauts used to see stuff. They reported seeing stuff. It's not space junk. It's not holograms or these are trained military professionals that could put their careers on the line for making up shit. You know, it's ridiculous. We're way past that point. That's only one thing Frank always said. It's like you don't believe the person in the swamp seeing stuff, or you believe the the professionals. You believe the airline pilots and the military. They know what this stuff's supposed to look like and how it moves. Sorry, I'm all primed for this. You are. I'm primed for this because it's ridiculous. Like, like, what the hell is it? I, I think, I think, I'm more, I'm more leaning into them being like a subterranean ancient civilization that's underground living, and they got tech, and they came out and said hi to us, and they do that. I, I'm because because a lot of these they've seen going into the water these crafts, so I don't know what's going on. There's a lot of the water. The I'm, now this is now we're turning into George Norris Coast to Coast show. The sea is a vast, unexplored terrain. There is so much of the sea that has not been explored, and it goes down pretty fucking deep. We can't even get to. There's a lot of creepy stuff. They find new creepy creatures every year. They drag out of the water. It's like, oh, we thought this creature was dead for a million years. Got no, ten, years. ten jaws. No, I'm serious. They thought, oh, another, another thing that they thought was you know dead 50 million years ago. Oh, no, here it is. We, just, we found another one of them. They're, they're still alive. It's scary as hell, the deep sea. Scary. I'm not saying, I'm not saying aliens are down there. They wouldn't be aliens. They'd be... They'd be Whatever, subterranean humans. It'd be like a Fantastic Four comic. What did you do this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> uh, played D anD D, which was great. I, uh, the fr- I I made the dinner this week. I did pulled barbecue uh, chicken 
And I did. Oh, God, really? I did. did and fasting. I did uh, this cheesy corn that was just oh, so delicious. Oh, I'm going to tell you exactly how to make this oh, cheesy God. corn right now, tell right me. here, right here on the, on this podcast. It's like, a, oh, boy. it's like an extra napkins episode. Uh, you take two bags of frozen corn. You put them in the crock pot, about two pounds. You add uh, about four tablespoons of butter, about a block and a quarter of cream cheese, two-thirds of a cup of milk, salt, pepper, cayenne, and then you set it on low, and you just let it go on low for like three to four hours, and then you throw like a cup of cheddar cheese in there and stir it all up. So good. It was amazing. Uh, I also went to the dentist. Got uh, that, that was the last of my dental emergencies. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started going to the dentist uh, again last year, I had a lot of shit that I needed to get done. Finished up with a few cavity fillings yesterday. And, uh, yeah, feeling great. Is your mouth saga finally closed? It's like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Well, with that's what mouth. I was saying. That's, yeah. pretty much, that's pretty much it. Now it's just, uh, you we're, know. We're on the epilogue with eight endings part of, the, of this journey. I mean, at some point I'd like to get a couple of fake tooths. Is there, is there spaces there? Yeah, okay. I'd like to get a couple implants. But, they're expensive. Uh, That's a problem with it. They're very expensive. Like a thousand a tooth? Oh, far, far more expensive. Oh, really? <laughs> far, far well, Maybe more that's expensive. with insurance. There's like insurance only covers like half of it. it there's a it's lot. Bullshit. There's the actual tooth itself is probably a thousand, but there's a lot more. I know they got. I, 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 my teeth are fucked. They got to put the fucking peg in there, drill it into your jaw. Well, I had to get bone grafts in there. Um, oh, you got that to prepare. So I've the got, face. I've got like, yeah, I'm like halfway the there. I've got the the bone grafts. In so there you want to get the fake teeth? Well, you don't see it, right? On your, they're too far there, but you just want it just you for can, chewing. But it's, it, yeah, it's, it's not for cosmetic reasons. I, I really don't give a shit. Uh, it's, it's because I want to be able to, you know. You want to chew, chew you, properly. You want a couple more. <laughs> yeah. You want, to, you want a little extra jaw action there. Like, yeah. What? A little extra jaw right. action. Uh, yeah, back to the aliens now. Uh, <laughs> um, what did I do? Oh, I, I just edited N64 reviews all weekend. 70% written. We're getting there. We're getting there. A couple of new editors helping out. There were also awesome writers, Christina and Daniel. Shout out to keep my sanity going. Hey. Hey. Shout out. I just think it's it's, um, it's interesting how from these books I've, I've gotten probably six people have said, hey, I want to do a book similar to your book mm-hmm. or books, but for this console or for this. I've had even two people say, hey, I want to do an N64 book. And it's nice to have those thoughts and want to do it, but then once you actually get into the, the muck and you realize this is not something that's easily accomplished and it's something that tears at your soul in order to finish doing these projects. So to those people that want to do them, hey, best of luck, but there's a reason why you don't see these books come out uh, with this much writing and this much depth and actually reviewing these games. It's, a, it's, a, it's, 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 it's tough. But I'm getting there, Ian. Yeah. I'm getting there. <clears throat> It'll be finished. It won't be out this year. The book will be finished this year. <clears throat> It'll be finished. Okay, sorry. But finished but not released. Yes. Yes. That's something that people don't understand. It's like, oh, it's written. It, it means it's going to come out right away. No, 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 no. It's like a movie. You got to go into post-production. <laughs> you got to some time. <laughs> we got we to gotta put some stuff together. We got to print stuff. You know. Um, speaking of stuff being printed, that's worth a lot of money. A guy died of COVID. Unfortunately, he left $20 million worth of baseball cards Jeez. to his family. We talked about it, this story, a story similar to this. It happened about a year ago where a guy was a collector and you know, he had, like, he had like, a basement full of stuff going back to like the 30s and 20s. And this seems to be a guy, I think slightly younger, 
uh, this this is a baby boomer. This is a lot of these people are baby boomers uh, because they grew up, you know, in the fifties, um, and when baseball exploded after World War II, even bigger, and you had Mickey Mantle, and you had well, DiMaggio was on his way out, and you had Willie Mays, you know, you had Jackie Robinson integrating the league, and you had a lot of these collectors had these cards as kids, and they were thrown out. The cards were thrown out. That's why there's not they're not around. That's, right. They're famously, oh, my mom threw out my shoebox full of baseball cards. But they when went we back- hear it these days with video games all the time. Back then, it was your baseball cards or your your toy soldiers or you yes. know, whatever the hell. It but was. the cards were actually scarce, unlike the video games. Sure, you know. Um, so plus they're paper products; they damage easily. So a lot of these collectors, once you hit like the seventies, once they were like, oh, we're in like our twenties, they started going back and buying this stuff because by the and we talk about the, you know in the mid seventies, a lot of these cards were only like twenty years old, twenty five years old, even. God, only like 35 years old at that point for like uh, a Babe Ruth card, you know, 40 years old. That's not a huge amount of time. You can still find this stuff. But so this stuff has gone up a huge amount in the past, probably since like the 80s, I'd say this stuff has shot, rocketed up slowly over time. Uh, But these are all being held by people that are older and now starting to die off. Right. If If not the people that fought in World War II, very young people, it's now the next generation. It's people that were born in the 30s, 40s, 50s. They're starting to die off, you know, baby boomers or, or in between baby boomers and greatest generation, whatever, if that's even a generation. I don't know. You know, people born like the 30s, late 20s. Yeah, well, what, are the generations pre baby like, boomers? Well, like, do well, they get names? Yes. Oh, yes. There's a silent generation, I believe. Like the ex millennial, like there's this crossover stuff. I don't know. They're all dead by now, unfortunately. <laughs> Rest dead. in peace. Well, not all, but, you know. It's the oldest person alive, like probably 120 years, 120 years, I think, at this point, something like that, 125. Uh, so this person had Babe Ruth cards, um, Mickey Man- the Mickey Mantle 52 rookie, the famous one, where he's, look- he's looking over his shoulder, uh, you know. Looking coy. Looking coy. This was, a, this was a doctor. He was 73. He was a neurologist, and he passed away, unfortunately. He also has memorabilia going back to the 1880s. Now it's going up for auction. So if um, – He's got the 33 Babe Ruth Gaudi card, which you probably would, if you saw the picture, you'd say, yeah, I've seen that before. They expected to break 5.2 million, break the record of 5.2 million for any sports card. The president of Memory Lane Auction said, well, of course he's going to say he's running the auction. How is that ethical? How is that ethical? Oh, it's definitely going to be the most ever. Why does ever. this keep happening? Yeah, yeah. How is this ethical to do this? Why does the reporter say that's crazy to say? That's going to be an auction house in Tuscan, California. Uh, and they showed, they showed the collection be moved onto a truck. And I'm talking about this guy has it's it's a moving truck like it looks like a 16 18 foot moving truck most of it packed two-thirds to three-quarters up of stuff so it's nuts it's got luke garrett cards onus wagner ted williams he has the world series program books dating back to 1903 that's cool that's fucking cool that's cool i like that sort of shit. so you're talking about someone that probably started doing this yeah when he was like probably either late teens, early 20s, like, I'm going to go back, like how we were doing with our video game stuff, I'm going to go back and buy all this shit my mom threw out or that I still want to get and become the original preservationist for this stuff. It's interesting to see that. But my point about bringing this stuff is not to say, wow, look at all this stuff, is that more and more people uh, are going to die and do this and leave this shit. And it's going to come out into the world. And at some point, not saying uh, a Babe Ruth rookie card or Onus, Onus Wagner tobacco cards are ever going to be worth nothing. At some point, there's going to be a lot more back of these out, back in the market that people that didn't grow up collecting stuff or aren't as interested are going to have to buy to sort of maintain the value. 
I don't know if that's a possibility. I don't know if someone like me, even if I was rich, would be like, wow, I want to buy a Babe Ruth card for all this amount of money. I'll buy it for this amount. I'll buy it for 100 grand, but I'm not spending $5 million on it. You know what I mean? Like, sure. That's the games we get into. So it's not automatically always going to maintain its value over time. Even yeah. for stuff that's actually rare like this. Yes, it's rare. You still have to have scheme. people who want it. We have two guys that died in the past um, year that have collections worth many millions of dollars. There's other people that have stuff like this. There is. There is. So it's just, it's just will, the, will there, the amount of cars being put back on the market ever um, run over uh, the number of people that want it? You know, we're going to get an imbalance again. That's all I got to say. He's, oh, he started collecting the early 80s. Oh, so that's a little bit later than people started collecting the 70s. But okay. Uh, he started with baseball cards in 57 and 59 when he was 10 to 12 years old. Yeah, he's a boomer. He is the boomer. He was born yeah. in 40, like 45 about, 46. After he came back, lots of sex, tracked housing, and kids got start popping out. Yep. You have, you have a suburban backyard with your white picket fences. Like that's, yeah, that's what happened. That's where he got all our suburbs from after World War II, basically. GIs come back. They want a place to live. Go work in a factory like, like Frank's dad. Now, Frank's dad had the best line. It was, all right, so these kids grew up in the Depression with nothing, all right? Then they're asked to go overseas and get shot at, and they come back and you work in a factory for thirty years, right? That's what they're doing. That's a, yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> that's, that's what they all did. My my grandfather uh, as well. Grandfather was a bike racer. A bike club. racer. Yeah, the guy's patch. Oh yeah, I see. I know the patch. My father and uncle sold his bike. His like bike from the thirties. When I found out about it, it was too late. They sold it to some collector. I said, how could you sell? It's basically a family heirloom. A bike that at that point was like, I think it sold like 2003 or four. A bike that at that point was like 70 years old. I couldn't believe it. Like, yeah. Are you fucking serious? That's crazy. And, that, and because of that, I go overboard and keep all the shit because they don't keep the important stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've, you've corrected in, in, in the extreme direction. A racing bicycle from the 30s. They fucking... That my grandfather fucking, yeah, I don't get it. I, I, was, I was infuriated. And my grandfather was like, yeah, if I knew if you wanted it, Patrick, I would have kept it. And I was like, well, you know, I'm like, I, was, I think I might have been off of college at the time. I didn't realize what was going on. Sure. And it's, a lot of old people don't keep that stuff that when they, once they get up there. My grandfather at that point was probably like 80. So he's like, you know, I don't know. Let's go. What else is happening? So NFTs are stupid. We've discussed this before. They've peaked officially according to, according to like the, the, uh, the analytics. In terms, really? of, in terms of like the money being spent per NFT average has like plummeted the past month. And, oh, and I mean, with something that got hyped up so quick, uh, I can tell you that I've, I've definitely seen a dramatic decrease in the amount of people talking about them too. The excitement over them in mainstream circles uh, has kind of come and gone. Um, but I did notice that Tops is officially getting into NFTs. Uh, I saw that well, we, about, a, yeah, about we pre- a week ago. We predicted that. We said, yep, yeah, they're going to have that was going to happen. Rip, ripping open a virtual card pack. Yeah. So Tops got into it, um, but on YouTube uh, now it's it, it's uh, extended to viral videos, NFTs, and viral videos. So there's a apparently quite famous viral video. I think I've seen it once. I honestly you never don't. saw this video. I, I think I've seen it once. Like I, I, okay. I don't remember seeing it everywhere, but I, I, it's familiar to me. Apparently, it's it's far more famous than I'm aware. Uh, Charlie bit my finger. Oh yeah, uh, a video of a uh, a baby named Charlie uh, biting a finger. Of his older brother. Of his older brother. Who's... And not just biting it, is happy that he caused the pain to his brother. That's yeah. what makes the video. <laughs> yes. Um, 
and that video was turned into an NFT. It was minted on the blockchain and sold for how much? $760,000, something like that. $999, so just under $761. Just under $761. What a deal. What a deal. Usually when we talk about NFTs, we talk about how there's no real like true ownership involved or, you know, if it's a, of an image or something like that, it's it's all over the internet. You can click it, right click it, save it. But the nine cat according to this article was sold neon for five hundred yeah. thirty one thousand. Um Neon? Is it neon? Neon. Oh like neon. Neon. Like, like N E O N. Neon. Oh, and the name. Oh, it's like a three-way split there with the name. Yeah. Got it. Uh, but the oh. people who, uh, the family behind this video is actually delisting it from YouTube after it's been sold. That's not actually going to change anything. That's absolutely... I'm sure no one has has this on their hard uh, yeah, drive or it's not, not been re-uploaded a thousand um, times elsewhere. Yeah, But it's it's a, a symbolic gesture that you don't even usually get that with, with uh, an NFT sale or purchase. Uh, yeah, I think this is absolutely ridiculous. It's not like this video is going to magically disappear from the internet it was viewed over 831 million times or some shit like that just an absolute 880 880 i don't want to short it has it already been delisted have they paid for it yeah i believe it's been delisted wow so said said waiting on nft decision that was the last update on the 23rd it was it was uploaded oh no it was uploaded on may 23rd 2007 wow yeah early youtube um, Early issue. YouTube this 1. article does do an interesting thing that I think is interesting. The NFT itself is the token of ownership. Yeah, it's not like the video is an NFT. The picture is not an NFT. The GIF is not an NFT. When you buy these things, it's the token of ownership. Yeah, and the token of ownership points you to what you own. Yes, and that's one of the things that people have been talking about. Is you know one of the fears with NFTs is um, one day all of these NFTs are going to point to fucking broken links oh i didn't think about that aspect i thought at least you at least own you're saying you don't own the copyright to that you own that specific it's fucking weird yeah anyways it's I, that, fucking I, weird. It's this weird is the enough, point and i'm done talking about that this is this is the point people are throwing out money <laughs> i don't want to discuss nfts i mean god part. you're spending three quarters of a million dollars on something that you can't make money off of you can't you're never going to make this back even if you've got another 880 million views you're not making that money back even on, on ads. You could make money. Oh, tell me. Well, you can make... No, I'm just saying, ideally, that's the whole point of NFTs is you ideally can make money, but people are buying these things at what I would consider probably maximum valuation. Oh, you're it's saying... It's only going to go down. You're talking about investment. I'm talking about actually using that oh. piece to make money off it in a natural market way i that's what i don't see yeah i don't think you can go and then turn that video into a commercial for something just i i I guess you can license it out though i've seen that on commercials before being used like license it out you know you have maybe the ownership in that respect or print t-shirts but the point is you're never making that back you're not in in terms of selling it for that amount no you're not going to flip it for more no, there's that's no, what I keep saying. Is there's like no, all, intri- all there's these no prices, intrinsic value to any of this stuff. And that's what I keep thinking about. These is all these insane prices you've seen for people buying these NFTs. It's like a stupid tax for the rich. That's what it is. They say they say they say it's like you know, uh, a, you know, a, a stupid tax buying lottery tickets. Um, this is a, this is a stupid tax as well. Almost, you're buying stuff that you're not going to make your money back on, in an obscene way. Yeah, I don't see the valuation going higher. There are there are people with lots of money that are really stupid. There's a lot of people that have money that didn't work to you, get that I was money. Say, you don't have to be smart to um, have lots of money. There's, there's people that got either got 
got lucky or trust fund or inherited money. Um, there's some that I'll, you know, maybe half and half, but there's a lot of people that have money that don't know what to do with it, obviously, and end up doing shit like this. But they're helping out. The, hey, they're paying the people that, you know, that Charlie now has all the money they ever want, you know, whoever, whoever got the original, Hopefully. or the father. They, their family has this money now. So good, good for them. Uh, the, the little girl, that, that, that meme photo of the girl turning and looking like Sinister Smile. She made uh, like $500,000. Good for her. Yeah. These are stupid people with, with money. You're getting rid of, you know. It's like, you can't even say you're fleecing them because you're not tricking them. They're just stupid. You know? I, I, yeah. I would be fine with NFTs fleecing the rich if it wasn't for the fact that it's just. No, it's destroying the environment. It's destroying the, the energy. Environment. I have no problem with fleecing the rich. <laughs> That's fine. You know. Don't eat the rich. Fleece the rich. There you go. Fleece the rich. Well, they, they probably wouldn't taste very good. I never said that eat the rich. It's like, okay, I don't want even, even jokingly cannibalistic things is fucking weird. I'm sorry. That's weird. Okay. Um, you know what's weird? UltimateNintendo.com. You're not fleecing anyone. You're getting great deals on, on books, RBI baseball stickers, enamel pins, T-shirts. Are you laughing? How I pull this out of my butt every week. Um, I'm on Cameo as well. Cameo.com slash Pat Country. I will tell your friend they're an idiot for getting into NFTs on Cameo.com slash Pat Country. <laughs> I'm also on Twitch every Wednesday night watching 80s commercials. Ian made a surprise appearance because maybe I, t- I tagged him on Twitter. No, usually I, do- uh, I don't go when you tag uh, on Twitter. I usually it's rare that it. I tag you, though. Yeah. It's rare. Uh, but it's usually a, an instant no. Wow. Okay, Dad. But this week, this week was different. I went. I Ask up. me again. We're not going. Yeah. That's exactly correct. Wow. I fuck, you just triggered me. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Very sorry. <laughs> oh, God. I'm like four years old again. Sorry. Uh, yeah, but I went and watched you do the, the commercial. Was it a fun? Isn't it fun? It was interesting. It, he always gives me like the like the quarter fucking compliment on my on my stuff. Commercials it are not interesting. that interesting to me. But it was fun to hey, join the hey, chat. Hey, Ian, how's this Super Nintendo book? Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, good. It's, it's, it's a thing. It's a thing. Oh, thanks, Ian. No, Another thing you haven't good. fucking comment my father. God damn it. Super hey, yeah, what do you think history. about this book I did? Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right, you did it. Yeah, you, you want these extra books back you sent? <laughs> what should I do with these? He actually said that. What should I do with these? What should I do with these? Yes. Wow, man. We're, we're getting into my trauma more and more every week. I'm letting it bleed out slowly. Jeez Louise. Yes, jeez Louise, Ian. That's a, that's, that's a thing. What, what, what do I do with these? What do I, I don't know, Dad. You, you show them to people. You're proud that you, your Fucking son did read something. It. Read it. My uncle was proud of it. My uncle said he was very proud of it. My uncle. My uncle. Uncle Jimmy. Thanks, Uncle Jimmy. He was very proud of it. It's nice that your Uncle Jimmy was into into it. Michael Jimmy, yeah, Michael Jimmy actually sent me a nice note around Christmas saying, Hey Pat, it's awesome you did this 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 stuff. You're doing this the creative stuff. It's really cool you're doing that. Keep it up, Patrick. Yeah, you, yeah. He basically said something, wow, I wish my father sent me this note. <laughs> this is fantastic, Uncle Jimmy. <sighs> Sorry. It's all good. I got into I oh, sorry, go, go on. What's next? I don't know. <laughs> Online game boy multiplayer. <laughs> Tell me um, about this. Scene. So this is neat. <laughs> uh, someone has figured out a way to um, send the basically handle the communication protocols between Game Boys over the internet. Uh, and this is from TechCrunch. And with a special link cable, you can plug your uh, Game Boy into a uh, PC and go to like a central hub and link up with someone else and play Tetris which is very cool. This is something that I remember thinking about 
geez, 10, 15 years ago, you I remember. Right? 10, no, years like on the, Geo, uh, the, oh. on the Neo Geo Pocket Color oh, message board, I remember we had this conversation once. We were like, is there a way that you could do that? And I remember whoever I was talking to at the time was like, yeah, but it would be really, really tricky. And that does appear to be the case. Um, so they have to basically uh, reverse engineer the communication protocols that for each game each game is different for, for each game is different okay, so that, they that can't just they yeah, can't yeah. just yeah it, it's not like you can go to this central hub and play any two it's player. not like the game spy interface from the 2000s right basically. you can't just play any game boy gotcha. game with someone right now it's only tetris but they said that they will be working um uh they will be working on uh making more games compatible this is youtuber stack smashing that's the person that pulled this off or at least is communicating it. You can um, buy, they're selling, they've monetized it, good for them, capitalism. They, you can buy the adapter kit to do this. Yep. US, USB to Game Boy Link cable adapter. Between the Link cable and the Raspberry Pi. Um, oh, yeah, okay. You need a Raspberry Pi to do this. Yeah. Okay, not a computer. We know Raspberry Pi is a mini computer. Raspberry Pi Pico, you need to bring in solder on your own. You need a Link cable. Uh, you can get on Amazon, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Let's see. Okay, so you need an actual link cable. Then you need this adapter, this USB link adapter to solder that into a Raspberry Pi Pico. Okay. And then the you, Raspberry Pi communicates gotcha. with a, is communicating with a server. With like Wi-Fi. Yep. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, it's cool. And Stack Smashing has made the source code open source. So hopefully more people will jump in, get in there, and do more with it. That would be really freaking cool. If, if, if more games, if, as soon as they figure out how to do Pokemon... We're, we are entering, that's crazy this is like this would be so much fun the silver age of handhelds basically you have you have the evercade stuff you got the playdate coming out you know you have all you know analog you keep, pocket playdate pocket uh, yeah. evercade is huge uh now you got people you know making multiplayer servers for I, no it's great game boys it's awesome uh, i couldn't be happier maybe nintendo will acknowledge they had a game boy at one point <laughs> they'll say hey we have a yeah, game boy here's maybe. a here's a compilation pack of game boy games that's like something Here's like like do something with these properties. A lot it's, of good games on the. It's game really Boy. weird. <laughs> I, I want to learn about some. I never had a Game Boy, you know. I, I want to learn about some of that stuff. Um, should do a book. Only if you write for it, Ian, I'll do the Game Boy. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, hey, you know, go go out on top with the the quadrology, like the original Alien movies. Own the quadrology, <laughs> or the fuck they called it. Um, Swimming aliens. Let's start limited run. Yeah, I haven't done limited run little mini topic in a while. Uh, they're doing a, a, some uh, releases and re-releases. Uh, I'll start with the one that doesn't interest me quite as much. They're doing the uh, the Double Dragon, both Double Dragon games. They're doing the the Double Dragon Four NES one that came out. Wow, is that four years ago that came out already? Remember the one that when the cars originally came out, they didn't run all. All systems and there was problems with them. That's different. That, that was different. That was you're thinking of the that, you're thinking of the uh, re-release of uh, double Super Double Dragon. Oh, that was the re-release of Super Double. Oh, yeah, that, that was the one the problem, and that was the one that was. Oh, actually, my yeah. apologies. Double Dragon Four. This was the NES uh, one was this, fine. Okay, th- no, this was this isn't an uh, NES game. This was a uh, retro Double Dragon made like four or five years ago. Oh, okay, this wasn't put on a card originally. No. Oh, it wasn't. Okay, I'm sorry, I, I confused that with the with the Super Double Dragon. Okay, this came out four years ago. Now there's going to have a, a Switch limited collectors uh, edition here with cute uh, cute Billy and Jimmy keychains of of uh, of Billy kicking uh, Jimmy in the nards there. And there's going to have a soundtrack on this. 
uh, in a retro cartridge case, so it looks like an NES cartridge, the, the, the soundtrack, and you get a poster here. Uh, they're also, though, um, doing a, a limited collector's edition of the Double Dragon Neon one. That's the, the newest one, right? No. That's not the newest one. Uh, wait, in terms of Double Dragon, yes, uh, but it, it's a few years old. And and, but it's, it, was, but it's on, newer. It was released on the 360. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's old. Holy shit! It's, it's a very credit. old game that's finally. It's an old game that's finally getting a physical cop. Uh, physical okay, release. so that's getting a Switch release as well, and that has a really cool cassette soundtrack. Uh, that's awesome. They're actually putting an audio cassette uh, there, and you get cards, and you get uh, you get Dragon Kick soda can. It's empty. It says, and you get Billy and Jimmy figures uh, there. So yeah, these are cool little packages. I've never played either of these. Uh, you're more the beat 'em up guy when it comes to this. I was kind of interested in the time to see, a, you know, an NES style Double Dragon sequel because that was sort of like, oh, we're going to do it because that's only happened with like this and really Mega Man where we said, oh, we're going to come out with like official NES style, you know, sequels. I didn't really give Double yeah. Dragon Neon much of a chance. I know a lot of it's one of those games that got kind of. Um shit on when it came out and over the past few years a lot of people have gone back to it and been like no it really wasn't that bad so especially with my current like love of beat-em-ups i will try double dragon neon um i will definitely give that a a fair shake at some point double dragon 4 i have digitally i think on the playstation 4 it's it's fine um i didn't love it didn't hate it it was okay it was okay it's an NES style. Yeah, it was. It's an NES style Double Dragon. But 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 not. But wasn't done in assembly though. Okay, that I didn't know. So you can't make an NES. No, that. no. It, it was meant to look like an NES oh. game, but it's just a modern. All game. right, that, I I would have been maybe in on that if it was like an NES cart, like an actual NES cart. But that okay. But, uh, so these are the two little guys that I'm like. Okay, these are interesting. What's more interesting though is the Mega Man Wally Wily Wars Genesis uh, re-release they're doing. Well, it technically never came out on the Genesis itself, but the Mega Drive it came out in Europe. Um. So that's a very hard to find game that I did without even looking goes for probably several hundred dollars at this point complete. Uh, I've uh, probably seen more bootlegs of that game than almost it? anything else on the Genesis. Uh, it's a really, really popular bootleg because it was never released here and because it's so expensive, even if you can find it. Um, I don't think I've ever actually oh. seen a legit copy of it. I think I've, only, think I've only seen <laughs> seen the bootlegs. It was probably several hundred dollars a few years ago. Now, the, the one by it now is $1,600. There you go. The, again, this is PAL uh, on the Mega Drive here. There's tons of bootlegs you can buy. Here. Yeah. I mean, tons. Man, I should have bought it when it was a few hundred dollars, like back in like 2015. Outside of Pokemon, I swear it's one of the most bootlegged games. I had no idea. I should have realized with with the, the, the everyone spending money on Charlie bit my finger and other weird stuff happening. Uh, oh, it's also it, it looks like in Japan it doesn't go for nearly as much. There's one in Japan for three fifty five. Uh, there. Wonder why? Because they don't they want the they want to say Mega Man I guess versus Rock Man probably. I guess collectors are weird. Okay. Um, so they're doing this as well. Um, and this package has they they got a of course the, they got a, a standard seventy dollar one. Oh, it's published by Retrobit. I was oh, going to say okay. this looks like a Retrobit release. Oh, this one's published. Okay, they they've partnered with Limited Run mm-hmm. the past couple of years to to help sell stuff uh, with them. So okay, so it's a collector's edition. Uh, you get a cartridge sleeve, full color instructional manual. I actually really like the box on this. It opens and you can see the Mega Man in there. It's lenticular, lenticular. so it's probably one of those hologram ones. But it comes with four different cards, so, so you, you can swap sw- them. You can sw- switch it out. Okay, that's pretty interesting. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm actually sold on that. That's pretty cool. It has a clear blue cartridge, blue bomber cartridge. Um, 
And then it has a certificate of authenticity. I think it's funny just to, to see that. You can say, hey, look, I got a certificate saying that this isn't bootleg, that Capcom is, is, is licensed this. It's something that they've always done with their releases. Um, but it's, it's, it's nice to know. And it's one thing that I always like to point out when these sorts of releases happen. This is official. There's nothing dicey about this. This is Capcom backed. Yeah. They're saying, go have at it, Retrobit. Make your sticker books. And You've stuff. actually got a good money. option now. Just you can either get the original European one for way too much or yeah. a new one. And we'll see what it does with prices. We'll see if it brings prices down. But with, if there's bootlegs, though, people might. But there's some people like me that might, I want something official. I'll have, I, I, won't, I, don't want, I don't like bootlegs. You know, but maybe something official I'd get. You know? So um, these are all open pre-orders. That's the good news. They're open pre-orders. Um, and then for this one you have until June 20th uh, to get this one. So you got a full month. To get it. So no complaints. You had a month to, to pre-order it. So I don't want to hear, oh, they're making artificial scarcity. They're going to make as many as people, you know, order. So there you have it. There you go. You, you ever think about stocking any of these? Uh, they don't do wholesale stuff to, like, game stores, do they? Do they do, like, retro bit for stuff like this? Can you get put these on the shelf? Would, would people buy these if you stock this? I think certain ones they would. But people, honestly, people don't don't talk about it a lot. Yeah. Oh. They don't talk about these re- uh, licensed re-releases? If we were, yeah. I don't know. Okay. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Uh, Metroid Prime 4, remember, had the teaser for this, like, at this point, like, three years ago, saying, oh, it's in development. And then a year later, like, yeah, I remember that game that was in development. Uh, we threw all that out, and we're going to start from scratch, which was the last time we ever saw just about Nintendo say something's in development because they realized there's no advantage to doing that. And it's emba- it's an, <laughs> right. It's an embarrassment that will never happen again. Say what you will about Nintendo. They usually learn from their mistakes. And, and it may take a while to come around, but they don't usually do the same thing twice. That's bad. So this was alerted to us on Twitter that there's a Metroid Prime 4. We don't usually talk about this, but this is interesting because it's, it's the one weird case with Nintendo. It's listed on Best Buy's site, Metroid Prime 4 for Nintendo Switch. There's a, an official listing on Best Buy site with a skew, with a skew already for it. Release date not announced. You can pre-order, I guess, if you wanted to, and then have it come out whenever. But I just think it's interesting that you know that they they got a skew for it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that means I, I, they got a UPC code. Basically, they got maybe we'll, we'll actually okay, see something. A, a, a stock keeping unit is different than a UPC. They can be the same. This might be Best Buy just maybe getting word and we're going to just put it on our site for some reason, but, they, but Best Buy made a skew for it. Yeah, my, my mistake. I should know better. A skew is not necessarily the UPC. It can be, though, but it can, it's, it's an internal keeping code. That's what a skew is. What about a skew PC? Is that a thing? No, I don't know. It's not asking. Skew PC? Skew PC. Sounds like an 80s toy, which we'll get into later about nostalgia. Skewpy. Controversy, you know, Skyward Sword. Nintendo's not learned this mistake. This is the first time they've done this, something like this. Yeah, this, this is lame. So I don't, I don't, and I don't think Nintendo will reverse course on this. Um, so I don't know much about how Skyward Sword is played, but I do know that traveling between, I guess, dungeons in the sky um, is something you can do in Skyward Sword. And 
according to people who have played it, uh, played the original game, it was one of the more um, disliked aspects. We love dungeons in the sky. Oh, tell me why. Yeah, 90s tech no stuff. Castles in the Sky by Ian Vandal. Uh, I was an Ian. Oh. Yeah, it was. Uh, you threw me for a loopy. So, oh, so anyways, traveling. yes. So th- this this travel mechanic, however it works entirely, was one of the more disliked, frowned upon aspects of the original game. Um, so they fixed it in this game. But to do this sort of fast travel, you need to buy an amiibo. Mm. And that just seems really lame. These updates and uh, fuck. Update. These upgrades and remasters, um, <laughs> the whole point of buying them is for these quality of life improvements that weren't there the first time. So yeah. to be to sort of buy one and then be told to get that extra. So you're already paying sixty fucking dollars for this re-release of a game that that's been out for years. He's clapping. He's angry. I get it. It's, I'm not sixty fucking dollars. Wouldn't be so upset with that if everything was included, but to. Charge sixty fucking dollars and then be like, no, no, you have to give us a little bit more to play this, you know, properly or to play this, uh, you know, in, in the smoothest way possible. That's fucking annoying, and I think that's real shitty. And it's it's a twenty five dollar amiibo. Didn't amiibo start at like ten, twelve bucks? Oh, it's not even. That's right. It's one it's of the bigger ones. It's, 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 it's a bigger amiibo. So yeah. you can say, okay, it's a ten dollar little amiibo. Like they were ten dollars when these came out. They were like what, thirteen, like six years ago, whenever it was. Has it been that long? Yeah, it was Wii U. Uh, okay. It was the one thing they made money off of with the Wii U was selling yeah. plastic shit. So so you have a situation, like Ian astutely pointed out, you're paying 60 bucks for an upgraded product that's not totally upgraded. We're going to paywall stuff that's in the game. We programmed this shit in the game, but now you use your little, little uh, what is it, NFC fucking thing? Is that what it is? Yeah. And then we zap it in and say, okay, it's unlocked now because you spent money. I, it's, for twenty five extra dollars, by the way, it's gross. And I, I, you I actually get a little statue trinket, but I cannot. I mean, yeah, I, there's no way to justify or spin that. That's just greed. And yeah, uh, this is bad. Yeah, it's it's a bummer to see, and I don't think they'll go back on it. Um, but yeah, paying sixty dollars to have the upgradable version that's not upgraded. I mean, that's, I don't remember the time I ever doing this before. Yeah, right. yeah, you can always the amiibo. You scan it in, you get a fucking extra ingredient for your Breath of the Wild pot or whatever that wasn't changing the game. It wasn't altering the game to such an extent. Get a handful of rupees. Yeah, yeah well, it's I, you get a fucking axe showing up. And, and you you kill some guy with I don't know. I've definitely played games with <laughs> amiibos that you know unlock or do things, but it's always something small. It's not yes. like a massive. Yeah, this, improvement to the flow of the game. Yeah, this changes, this makes your life better because you're cutting out all this travel time. Yeah. It cuts out something that was poorly reviewed the first time. So it's like, pay us money to get rid of this problem, even though that's what these releases are already supposed to do. Well, now now the cynic me is like, did they figure this out afterwards or was this planned the whole time? Nintendo realized that, hey, we're going to milk you for an extra 25 bucks. Plus tax. Plus tax. If you get it. I got to go get a a seltzer. Do you, do you think that you're leaving? You're leaving the podcast. Le- le- yeah, I'm walking down the street. Okay, no, okay. Okay, am I, do, am I doing the next top by myself? No, I'm literally just grabbing a can from the fridge. All right, we're back, and Ian has his polar seltzer water. Did you bring enough for the whole class for me? I did not. What, what flavor is that? Uh, cranberry lime. Oh, that would have been so delicious. Where did you get that from? I'm going to buy some. Uh, Vani gets it at the naval base. Oh, okay. 
It's one of the few places in San Diego you can buy Polar by the case. Okay. Uh, speaking of water, Ian, hot tub streaming has has uh, hit the mainstream uh, consciousness the past few weeks. So on Twitch, there's a new phenomenon that's uh, it's been started or allowed. A fad. Fad, maybe, probably not at this point, where streamers are either streaming from a jacuzzi, an actual jacuzzi, or a hot tub, or what it's turned into is people getting an inflatable pool, putting it in their room, filling with water to put on a, a swimsuit or bikini, and streaming. This is what's been developing. So, of course, naturally, a lot of people, some streamers and people watching, like, what is happening? And asking questions like, is this what Twitch is for? Blah, 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 blah. You know. So people were waiting for, for Amazon slash Twitch, Amazon owns Twitch, to respond and to and to say, hey, wh- is this proper? Wh- what do we think about this? Especially since uh, an advertiser came out against this. An advertiser basically said, what is this? What do we, we want to advertise in front of this? So it forced Twitch... Twitch could have done a couple of things. They could have said, "No, we, you, you're not allowed to do this. This is for if you're going to be in a room, you should be gaming and not in, in an inflatable pool." Instead, they made a specific pools, hot tubs, and beaches category to try to address advertiser confusion surrounding hot tub streams. So, they do, so basically, uh, advertisers can choose by category to opt in sure. or opt out of. Um, certain advertising um obviously certain things they can't uh, you can't do like uh race gender etc that sort of thing but they could choose to opt out of say this pools hot tubs and uh beaches category well you have categories of streaming there's there's not racial based categories but no, i'm just saying uh, i'm just saying like advertisers uh, can choose what yes. they can so when you they when, can't do it so based when i on, stream like, religion creed etc but you can do it on this yes but like what i'm saying like when i stream like if i stream eight commercials i hit the retro Sort sure. of category. There's categories for games, you know, things like that. So when I, when, I, when I saw that, I was like, okay, this is interesting. They went that route instead of just saying we're going to just not allow it or or have a sort of you know zero tolerance policy when it, when it, when when it comes down to it. So they put out a lengthy statement. And there's some good in the statement they put out. They acknowledge the confusion surrounding hot tub streams, a growing subset of streams on Twitch that consists of people streaming while in a hot tub or mini pool. Yes, they're mostly mini pools. They're mostly people just setting up inflatable you know four-year-old pools you know the little ones we had as a kid you know and doing that uh they said if you have chosen if you have chosen swimming that that swimmer wear that is allowed under the swimming beaches contextual exception to our standard nudity and attire policy it's policy oh my god my head's uh, swimming you should stream into the pools hot tubs and beaches category i like how i said you should stream into them we'll be reaching out to creators with more details on how to use this category Moving forward. That was me they, going down a water slide into the pools, beaches. God, and, I miss uh, water parks. Uh, streamers have always been allowed to appear in swimwear, according to the blog, so long as wearing swimwear is contextually appropriate, i.e. at a beach, in a hot tub, or in a pool. The blog men- mentions that nudity or sexually explicit content, uh, which the site defines as pornography, sex acts, and sexual services, is not allowed. Uh, Twitch says it's sexually suggestive policy, which has been used by some to rally against hot tub streams, was meant to draw a line on content that is overtly or explicitly sexually aggressive, not to ban all content that could be viewed as sexually suggestive, according to the blog. Okay, so they're basically saying that um, 
you can be sexy, but you can't do sex acts. Okay. Yeah, no Beach That's, Boy blow bangers. Uh, what? <clears throat> Is that a band? Huh? Okay. So here's, here's the deal, though. You're now going to get into – it's already a gray area. Um, you're going to have to have someone actually decide and define what or, or is not qualifies as sexually suggestive or not. You're going to have someone that – and you're going to have to have arguments come up now saying, well, because I've seen the pictures, well, that bikini streamer is, is humping a banana floaty. Is that sexually suggestive? Yes or no? Someone's going to have to decide this stuff now versus another guy who may be – I don't know, rubs himself, and that's decided to be sexual. We're getting into this area now where the argument is like, is Twitch designed for this? Uh, no, I don't think it is. I'm just going to say that. And it's not just gaming. Yes, people, yes, Twitch started as Justin TV. I know that. I was streaming. I streamed fucking 2010 awkward uh, hourly meetups or two-hour meetups. The point is that now you're, you're having Amazon decide what is not appropriate in areas where they were, did not have to think about before, and we didn't have to think about. And you should say, hey, Pat, why do you give a shit at all if you're not doing that? It does because it affects everyone. Because obviously it affects advertisers saying, I don't want to put my money into this. Uh, now, though, if, this, if something happens where something sexually suggestive is involved, there's children involved because Twitch is 13+, plus, you're going to have a Yeah, but you put mature filters on your content. But they're not saying that it's sexually suggestive, though. They're, if they said it's required, this is mature and it's age-gated, I have less of a problem. I thought that but, was in an article I had read previously, but maybe not. If they do that, I have less of a problem. Because they're not saying... They're, they're, by doing this, they're saying this isn't sexual content. Amazon's basically saying, uh, this is not sexual. They're not. They're saying that it's not sexual content. What if it's used as sexual content? What if the streamer does that? Now you're going to get into all these weird areas that... Before, you, if it wasn't a category, well, okay, it's, it's just you don't, it's not something you do. Yeah, you can walk along, along the beach, but now you're not saying, well, I'm going to jump up and down in a floaty for extra tips. Like these are the things that they're probably already happening. As far as I know, there's stuff that happens like this already that isn't talked about. But now you're, what, what Amazon is doing is basically saying this is okay and we're now endorsing this content. That's where it's going to be a problem, not just for other streamers saying, well, this is ridiculous, but for advertisers. And this is before we get into uh, – God, this is now we're going on dark territory. If they're not saying it's sexually a sexual content, so now they're basically saying if you're 14, you could do content like this, and it's okay. That's that's the weird areas you're now Amazon is putting themselves into. Where before they shouldn't have to tiptoe into this uh, pool, which they now are, and that's the problem. This could trigger an adpocalypse type of situation where avatars saying what the fuck is happening, and have multiple advertisers pulling out at the same time. It's bizarre, and I'm shocked that they went this route and, and, and said we're, this is the easy way to solve this is that we're going to have a new category and doing this. I don't know what the end game is. I don't know. I'm thinking of all the negatives. What are the positives that they're getting at this? Is, could they bring in that much more revenue for going into this? If not R-rated territory, heavy PG-13 character, I have no idea. But they're, they're, this is not something that a lot of people are comfortable with. Other streamers aren't comfortable with. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I personally think it's a bunch of hoopla about not much. I mean, as kids, we all tuned into MTV and watched Spring Break and saw people in bathing suits gyrating all over the beach. Yeah, but you weren't interacting directly with those people. You weren't potentially giving tips to those people. You weren't potentially being persuaded by 
those people to get money to give me because I will do something that's titillating. If that's, that's what gets money. I, I just don't care what people do with their bodies, and I don't think there's really as much okay. concern. I, you, I, I don't. I don't think it's opening the Pandora's box that you think it's opening. So even if the children are involved, you don't think it's a Pandora's I box. I think that the it should probably be age gated. Yes, I don't see anything saying that it's going to be age gated. If it's age gated, there's less of a problem. But it's uh, yeah. Yeah, I would be. Cer- I would uh, certainly be concerned about kids doing that, like streaming that way. But if they age gate it or say you can't do it unless you're this age, I really don't see there being that big of a deal. And it seems like a pretty simple fix. But they also say that this isn't the end of the policy. They said that this is temporary. At the end of that uh, announcement, they say that this is not the you know final answer. The, I think the point is that they were more concerned about losing advertisers than what direction they wanted their content to go. That was that. That to me is the biggest takeaway. Is that. We want to do something right now to appease advertisers versus maybe addressing something that could be used for nefarious and would be used for nefarious means. I mean, hell, there was the whole report about uh, whole freaking pedophile networks targeting uh, children's YouTube videos where where, like little boys and girls were just doing like fucking jumping jacks and stuff like that. And they were like saying, oh, go to this part in the video. Watch This is now you're interacting with them. You can have creeps interacting with with children or vice versa. I don't think I'm comfortable um, with someone who might be doing something teetering the line of R-rated uh, with children watching and asking them for money or even subscribing or following. I'm not comfortable with that. I'm just not. I don't think that's what it's for. But that's all I'm going to say about that. And you know, growing up, I was a breakfast cereal hound. I ate, I ate it every day in front of, front of Saturday morning cartoons. I ate it as a snack, just bowl after bowl out of bowl. The problem was it was horrible, horrible for your health. But it was delicious, so what can you do? What could you do? I stopped eating cereal for years until Magic Spoon, the nutritious and delicious breakfast cereal. This stuff will change your eating lives. Uh, It is a bit of a breakfast revelation, I do have to say. Yes. Uh, It has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. There's only 140 calories in that serving, too. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. And they've got flavors. They've got oh, they've flavors got the that flavors you everything love. you loved as a kid. Yes. There's a cocoa. There's a fruity, frosted, peanut butter. Cinnamon. Oh, uh, it's fantastic. You mix the peanut butter with the chocolate. It's delicious. I, I, I'm not, you know, we talk about products on, on the podcast here sometimes, and... Like this, this is in the upper echelon. This is in the, this is the S <laughs> tier of things we have ta- spoken about for for you guys to try out, you guys and gals out there. So right now, call to action: go to magicspoon.com slash cu podcast and get a variety pack there. You can mix and match and try today. Be sure to use our promo code cu podcast at checkout to save five dollars off your order and they are so confident magic spoon that you'll like it it's back with a hundred with a with a 100 happiness guarantee so if you don't like it for any reason they'll refund your money no questions asked but i might ask questions why don't you love magic spoon <laughs> i'll ask it remember get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash cu podcast and use the code cu podcast to save five dollars off thank you so much magic spoon for sponsoring this episode all right ian uh, Netflix. We love Netflix, Ian. We all, we all, uh, we all like watching our our Zack Snyder uh, Army of the Dead uh, stuff on there, which we we didn't watch it. We got to watch that, and we all, we all love our our superhero stuff and Daredevil, and we all love uh, catching up on on good stuff. 
And uh, Stranger Things is coming back, isn't it? Now, though, probably Netflix is looking to get into the gaming world. That's right. So Netflix is kind of they've been talking for a while about wanting to right. get into gaming um, and do more interactive content. They've started dipping their toes in this water uh, a few years ago when not they did. Um, no, not hot tubs. Uh, when they started doing, uh, they did the uh, Black Mirror episode, Bandersnatch. Yeah, that was excellent. Uh, which I never watched, but everyone saw it was, was fun. Yeah, I never did it. Was, it. it was a choose-your-own-adventure-in-real-time uh, episode with multiple, not just multiple pathways. It screwed with your mind because the story would change when you went back and did the same choice again. They had rebranching paths. It was brilliant. Yeah, it sounds really cool. It's just, given I, I, I'm averse to watching TV to begin with, so it's just harder to what? get me into it. Um, they also have a show, I guess, I've just heard of called You vs. Wild. I'm not oh. sure what that's, what, what that uh pertains but it's another interactive show and they you know they they like they they obviously saw that people like to interact with their media so they want to get into gaming um it would be some licensed stuff and some um of their own sponsored content like we see with their docu-series and stuff like that uh that they said that they would potentially get into um i think as far as I still think personally we're not there yet uh, technology-wise. I just don't think we're there for um, reliable streaming yet. Uh, Stadia, you know, across the board, people are saying it's not exactly reliable. You have the uh, Xbox streaming, uh, Game Pass. Uh, Apple Arcade. Apple Arcade. Which is really good value, five bucks a month. Apple Arcade is great because it lets you download the games. It's not just streaming. And plus they have their little boxes. You could play those on your TV, not just on your phone or a tablet. Yeah, Right. Um, you can hook up a controller and everything. Netflix has said that they kind of want to do their own Apple Arcade. Mm-hmm. That's basically what they're looking at. That's the model they're looking at. So what I'd be interested in is, you know, would this... Would they do it all streaming? Would they do it with like a required box that could temporarily download the game to keep it from? Well, no, because then you'd have to have. Then it would be a console. You'd have to yeah. obviously have the 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 processors yeah. and stuff in there. See, so this Axios report says um, I just added that link. A source familiar with Netflix Netflix's plan tells Axios to think of it as a smaller, smaller Apple Arcade. Apple Arcade isn't that big. Uh, not, yeah, that that Apple Arcade doesn't have hundreds of games. Uh, they've, it's a very, very well curated. How many? I guess how many games? I think Apple it has, has about two hundred. Yeah, it's not several hundred though. Um, a reference to Apple's offering of high quality ad free mobile games, offering to paying subscribers. Uh, the Netflix offering will consist of a mix of licensed Netflix intellectual property. Well, that makes sense. We have oh, Stranger Things game week, an original work commissioned from independent studios offered to existing Netflix subscribers. Okay, that sounds very Google Stadia ish. We're going to have exclusive stuff that we commission to be done. Correct. Um, Possibly launching in 2022. Okay, we got a full year or so. Plans are subject to change. They had not ruled out other approaches, including the more complex effort of making games in-house, yikes, or getting games to run on TVs. Oh, geez. What do you mean getting to run on TVs? I don't understand that running on TVs. You yeah, mean like run through the, the hardware on TVs, like on a smart TV? I don't understand that uh, part because are, there are smart TV games that come with your TV for free that do run on them. So maybe that's what they're thinking about. But yeah, that's weird. I don't. I versus, don't, versus I don't get them. that part. But yeah, uh, yeah, they said they've been dabbling with games for some time. Um, well, they didn't. They didn't. They know about the Witcher show, the Castlevania show, which I watched the first season was pretty good. I, they'd already finished the show. 
God, they put out these seasons like three a year, it seems like. Um, they're doing Assassin's Creed? I had no idea. The first two seasons of Castlevania were very good. The third and fourth seasons were extremely rocky. They just fall off. Well, I mean, spoilers. uh, Oh, no. Okay. Go go for it. (laughs) Spoilers. At the end of the second season, they kill Dracula. And that's like the Castlevania story in a nutshell. It works really well for two seasons. After that, they had to start making shit up. Okay. Okay. I actually want to watch that at some point. <laughs> I, I watched the first, what was it, four or five episodes when it first came out? The spoiler was not much of a two spoiler, years ago. but yes. Does it follow the games for the most part? or some, some The first two seasons kind of follow the arc of a game, yes. Okay. All right. The third and fourth seasons, they um, kind of make stuff up. All right, all right, all right. Okay. So here's the deal. Netflix. Um, not that you should have to stay in your lane when it comes to do whatever you want, Netflix. You've, you've already, Netflix has obviously already given up market share to disney plus which is you know now i'm talking about uh hulu and disney plus are now under the same company disney um amazon prime is doing well there with their own offerings uh, people forget that there's apple uh, tv offerings they do their own stuff i don't i'm not familiar with most of that stuff but whenever i see a movie oh tom hanks world war ii movie on apple you know i'm like okay yeah, I know like, nothing about Apple TV. It but pops it seems up like every once kind, yeah. in a while, and I'm like, oh, that's, uh, that exists. It's like, oh, this looks decent. But, but you know, they, they have their own ecosystem of you know, hipster people that probably have all Apple products, and that's who likes that stuff, probably. But um, here's the deal. We know that video games is hard. Someone Sorry, told me yesterday that hipst- only hipsters eat guacamole or something what? like that. And I was like, so it was all of Mexico hipsters? What, who said that? And someone online said well, something about Or not. Or Come on. There's a joke about the millennials eating uh, avocado toast. Okay, that's funny. That's kind of someone looked. Someone looked at my taco picture and said, only hipsters eat that much when guacamole. When I was in Jersey. I was like, no, that's, that's the amount of guacamole the you, Mexican whenever, man put on the food. Whenever you me. go to Jersey, because there's not avocados in Jersey, but you can get them. We go to On the Border, better, a better Mexican chain, because everything was fresh. You can make the. They made it in front of you. They got the rock thing out and did it. It was great. Sorry, what were you looking about? Shit. Video games are hard work. So yes, was, they are. I think Netflix so making is potentially guac. biting. Guac is actually pretty easy. Okay. Everyone should make guac because it's yes, not hard. It's great. You, make sure you use lemon juice. It preserves it a little bit longer. You know, sorry. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's tough to get into this. Google's yes. failed miserably. And Google uh, had probably. The tech, the tech to do this. Cue the stadium, uh, Stadia defenders. I'm sure that they'll, um, they'll be oh, we had a we had a Stadia podcaster come after us. Oh, did we? The one, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I looked at it, it's like who's defending this? Oh, he does the Google Stadia podcast. I'm like, are you on Google's payroll? This was like a year ago. Who's upset about our Stadia coverage? Oh, Mr. Stadia. <laughs> Mr. I'm not John saying Stadia. I'm, I'm I'm not saying you couldn't be enthusiastic about a bad gaming product. We see that all the time with people attacking us over one that's going to be pushed back from October. But the point is this is that if these big companies with money can't figure this out, at some point you got to say, hey, listen, th- maybe we shouldn't bother trying this at some point. What Apple Arcade is doing is entirely different because it's already built into their ecosystem of app games. So it's not like they're doing something radically different. They're just saying, okay, instead of paying for each game, here's a subscription for these awesome games that we're curating. Yeah, they just and, found and a way to block off some of them. I'm paying five it's bucks, already there. I'm paying five bucks a month for games that I'm not playing. So they got me. Yeah. But if I want to play it, I'll be like, oh, here's an update to cats killing each other with, with big sticks. Okay. I got to figure out how to. Know, is that a game? S- no, I got to figure out how to sync a, a, a PlayStation controller to my phone. Oh, it's just a Bluetooth thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
Some, some but they're good games. games. Yeah, there's a lot of good ones on But there. the point is that Apple has more money than, you know, the, most nations. And like I said, they're in the infrastructure. They're in the business of app games. Netflix is not in the business of video games at all. At all. Minus a Choose Your Own Adventure uh, episode of Dark Mirror. A Black Mirror. Black Mirror. Right. That's not that's really like a choose your own adventure little experimental thing. And that cost them an entire season. They did that episode, they did that movie instead of doing a season of content. They put so like that does that was a sacrifice. Yeah, so there's there's work to be done uh on these and it's not it's not small. Hell, I love I like to see more choose your own adventure stuff on Netflix. Well, that's I, what I was gonna yeah. say. I I I, I have a, video games. I have a feeling we will see Netflix get into video games or game streaming uh at some point fully. In the future, I, I just think it's it's bound to happen. Um, but I think what would actually work best for Netflix would be to do um, to focus specifically on games that are more similar to interactive movies. Um, I don't like the guy's writing, but David Cage, uh, the the guy who does all the did like Heavy Rain, Detroit Become Human, okay. um, Beyond Two Souls, all of those games that are essentially interactive movies with some quick time stuff thrown in yeah with quick, quick time, time stuff thrown in you use a controller you move the character around you do things and it changes the outcome of the scene or it can change the story um it's more video gamey than just a choose your own adventure but it's still at the very heart of it uh, a movie you're watching a story there are ways you, you can't die you can do poorly and it will change how something happens but a lot of it is just yeah press these buttons it's not a lot of um, like super difficult gaming with complex controls. How I does, think that would I think that would fit really well. Also, because the the you could stream those and not worry about things necessarily, not worry as much about things like lag. Sure, it's like now it's a decision, and now it, it affects the outcome. Like, like this you versus wild interactive helping out beer grills. I never watched. It oh, before. okay, that's what that is. Um, I never watched it before, but it sounds like that's what it is. Oh, should I eat this bug or not? And then if you eat, oh, you see him choke and die or something. Like that. That's why I figure something like that. <laughs> that could be fun if that's what your definition of gaming is that you can use with with any like any uh, remote controller. Okay. Or even if you have to use a video game controller, but like I said, low low impact story based experiences I think would do very well. Up, down, left, right, and a button. I think I mean that's what you, you use. We'll use left, right, and a button for banner. Just, just, just fucking just hook a dragon's lair uh, chassis up to the front yeah. of it. <laughs> Move sword. <laughs> but, but that's all you need for yeah. most of this interactive Move stuff. Action. Move action. A guy's punching at you. Move. You know, you, you kick him in the nards. I use nards twice on this podcast. I haven't used it in like two years. Um, yeah, I think Netflix has to be careful. This is me telling Netflix to be careful because we've seen this story before, obviously. We've seen this story. Yes, we're we seeing it play out with, with, a, with an entre- entrepreneur that, that thinks he's going to revolutionize gaming uh, as well with, with, a, with a console aimed towards uh, you know, millennial moms. Uh, so, like, you, you stick with what brought you to the dance, Netflix. That's all we're saying. Patrick? Might yeah. I say that you look snappy in your shirt? I believe that's the planetary countdown. And that's the extraterrestrial shirt from Into the Am, and they are sponsoring this segment. They have high-quality, premium apparel, including graphic tees, basic tees, hoodies, and even boxer briefs. There's a nice cut to them. They stand out. Some are like uh, glow in the black light, like this one's a black light shirt. And it, it's, it, they're, they're out there, otherworldly themes. There's some down-to-earth uh, themes as well. I like this one. This is the digital... Space tee, very 80s design here. You got a little space shuttle on the top, nice little graphic on the bottom there in the sun and the sunset. 
really eye-pleasing, eye-popping stuff. And they got bundles as well. Right now you can get three graphic tees for 60 bucks or three basic tees for $45. And right now they're having a Memorial Day sale. That's right. May 28th to the 31st. They're having a Memorial Day sale, weekend sale. You'll get 20% off your order plus an additional 10% off if you use our discount link. You can click on it below on YouTube or if you're on a, on the podcast, you're listening, you know, you can also use code CONTRI and you'll get 10% off these very comfortable shirts and their other gear. Again, use code CONTRI to save an additional 10% or click on the link in the, on the, in the YouTube description down there. Click on it. Go look good and feel good with Into the AM. All right, Ian. Uh, we are in the age now of uh, of Pokemon cards where there's a three-year backlog to get them graded and, and people on YouTube opening up packs of these sort of things. Uh, baseball cards blowing up the past few years. I went to the swap meet a, a few months ago, and there was a baseball card dealer for new baseball cards. I said, really? Okay, you're selling packs of cards now. It's, okay. it's gotten uh, fucking crazy. Uh, limited edition toys that are coming out every week, it seems, based upon old 80s and 90s properties, whether it's Ninja Turtles, He-Man, G.I. Joe, what have you. We're in the age now of, of nostalgia perfectly meeting consumerism into this marriage of spend as much money as you can to get this stuff potentially that not just you'll enjoy with happy with your happy, warm, fuzzy feels, but it can be worth money. Uh, and this has been happening more and more, I'd say, over the past maybe two years, three years for sure. Um, going back to even Comic-Con and having all their exclusive uh, toy sets where you got to show up that day to get them and flipping them on eBay. So um, we were going to talk about this beforehand, but at the same time, good old Jim Sterling who does the Jimquisition, does his uh, his rant videos. I like that name. I just think it's very the clever. I think it's very clever, yes. Uh, Jim, we talk about Jim Shirley every once in a while. He does, uh, like, he, like Carney-style uh, videos w- with good salient points done, like, I mean, he's into pro wrestling, the guy himself, personally. So, like, they're basically promos, long-winded promos about a topic. He's good he on the mic. He's good on the mic, yes. Snappy dresser as well. Um, and he talked about, basically, the topic of, have millennials killed nostalgia basically on the back of all the bad articles that come out like have millennials killed this industry the diamond industry have they killed i don't know uh, collecting china plates you know because we don't care about that and silverware i was talking about like we don't care about silver and china plates hey Ian, here's a china set for your fucking <laughs> wedding no we're not doing that that died with the, with the boomers basically maybe older gen x you know but have have millennials killed nostalgia and he talks about the pokemon cards and he talks about stuff that he he's, he's even into. He even admits I'm into like the, the Moblins, the little rubbery Boglins, Boglins, not Mob. Moblins is Legend Moblins of Zelda. Is Zelda. Uh, B- Boglins, yes. which were more uncommon toys that I didn't know a kid that had them, but I'd heard of them. Little rubbery puppets with little arms, little and faces. goofy faces. Yes. They, they come in like a little cage, which they've remade. I made the, I made I met the guy who created them at a convention last year. They've made new ones the yeah. past few years through Kickstarts. So we've had like a resurgence of. Of like, like Kickstarters getting these properties back off the ground, companies reinvesting them and redoing it. But now we've hit this sort of gross point where if you say something, what's the point of something being over-monetized or over-capitalized or, or, or on? The point is when a, a huge organization like Target says, we are no longer selling Pokemon cards because we fear for the safety of customers. 
because <laughs> asshole adults are going in and running in as soon as this shit is put on the shelf in order to buy it to, to either try to collect it to win their lottery and find stuff or to scalp the cards and to sell it at such a high price. And that's the weird point that we are at. It has always existed, though. That's the one thing about Jim's video that I don't agree with. This has existed always in some way, shape, or form. I've seen it personally going back to the 90s uh, in terms of buying uh, collector stuff that first came out. Well, like when, um, when the starting lineup hockey figures first came out, collectors ran to the KB toy stores right when it opened and got them all. Little Patrick couldn't get Brian Leach because some assholes ran and got it before him at 7 a.m. Because I was five minutes late or ten minutes late. Some of this has always happened. Spawn figure collecting in the 90s. Power of the Force figures uh, in, in 95 when they came back. You had tons of collectors saying, oh, this will be the next big thing. It's Star Wars, the first new Star Wars toys in 10 years. They went and bought this stuff. I think that with the combination of having um, the social media awareness with the internet to sell this shit, and now you have things like NFTs and people spending way more much money than they probably should. You have this weird, weird perfect storm of nostalgia becoming our worst nightmare. And I think that's what 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 was the most salient point of Jim's video is that. What's that? This perfect storm of all that's oh, yes. happening. And, and that, that, oh. that's what I think it is, too. So, like you said, obviously, we can go back to the 90s. Uh, Tamagotchis were hard to get when they first oh, yeah. came out. Um, you can even go back to the 80s. Beanie Babies? You yes. ever hear of Beanie Babies? Beanie yes. Babies. You can go back to the 80s. You can are you, well, you can you can look at stuff like Tickle Me Elmo. Go back to the 80s look at Cabbage Patch Dolls. Yes. I, here's, here's where I think there is a lot of difference, though. When you look at <sighs> stuff like the Cabbage Patch Dolls, uh, when you look at stuff like... Um, Tickle Me Elmo. Tickle Me Elmo. Even Beanie Babies. These were all things that were hard to get. And yes, there was money attached to them. But, and I don't think this is just looking back rosily, at least with some of those, you could conceivably say that people were buying that to own it. With, for, for children to enjoy. For children to enjoy or, yeah. or, or to oh. own. Whether or not you were a kid buying a Beanie Baby, I don't care. A lot of those people who were going out of their way to get them they were having a tough time to get it, getting it, and it was difficult, but it was – they wanted to own it. The, the problem, I think, with this At generation – for Beanie Babies. It yes, spiraled out of yes. control. I, yeah. think, I think the big problem with this generation is um, – yeah, every generation's had its nostalgia poisoning. I mean, I remember the Spencer's Gifts, and you know, and it's not unique. Spencer's Gifts in the 1990s was decked out like you know, that 70s show. Uh, the lava lamps? Yeah. <laughs> now, now it's the 80s. Um, but – this is so cynical and finely tuned to generate a profit. And I think that's the difference here. People are running out to buy those Pokemon cards to immediately. They're not opening them. They're buying them to immediately flip those packs online. Well, people were flipping Tickle Me Elmos. They, they were. I, I realize. But yeah. the, the, the social media, the fact that everyone's always aware of it eBay, online marketplaces, like like you said earlier about Jim saying it's a perfect storm. I think that's what it is, but it just seems to be more finely tuned for finance. I, I think I think it's I think the more I think about it, I think it's more social media because without social media, it's a lot tougher to get the FOMO out there, the fear of missing out of saying, like, okay, so in the nineties, late nineties was Tickle Me Elmo was it the biggest toy? What was that? Ninety seven, ninety six, something like that. Um, when was Tickle Me Elmo? The internet was still relatively new. To a lot of people. Um, but you had news stories coming out. Tickle Me Elmo is the hottest thing. I saw those all the time. So that that alone caused parents to be like, okay, Tickle Me Elmo is something I should look for. And yes, they had commercials. 
I, I remember my aunt trying to get my uh, smaller, you know, she was young cousin at the time, a Tickle Me Elmo, and was having trouble getting it. And there were people that scalped things back then. eBay was fairly new, but you had that, even though most people weren't using that. But it was always, oh, I know a guy that has it. I know a guy's got a couple. That, that's how that stuff worked. That's how it worked with Cowish Patch Kids in 84 and 85. It was always, oh, I knew, I, I know someone that got an extra one. I knew, yeah, you know, that's how it sure. was. Or maybe they fell off the back of a truck. Right. Or maybe an employee bought them early if they weren't stolen. So this has always been going on. My, my uncle used to do some of this more eh, sketchy stuff. My, my uncle always knew a guy that knew, you know, knew a guy. Uncle, my Uncle Joe. Yeah, uncle my, Joe. He's my Uncle Joe from fucking Bayonne. Come on. <laughs> come on. Come on. He's my Uncle Joe. I love him. But, you know, um, so, but with, with the internet, though, not just tells you about the product and tells you about why you want it now, it tells you about the money-making opportunities attached to this yes. that weren't around potentially in the 90s. Well, QVC and Home Shopping with their Beanie Babies, they did fucking go into, well, look at this last year's Beanie Baby. This one's worth 1000 They did. They were responsible for that. But at that point, though, it was older people, and it, 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 didn't, it didn't bleed into the kids as much because you can still find Beanie Babies for kids. Not every Beanie Baby was worth a lot of money. Kids can still get their Beanie Baby fixed. Yeah, I want that hard-to-find, I don't know, Shamu Beanie Baby. Okay, well, here's another one. Right. This is everything, though, you can't find. This is You can't get any of these Pokemon cards, apparently. You can't find them. Nope. And people uh, it, it, uh, and the games are, are bad, too. I mean, it, it literally, Pokemon as a whole is just a fucking nightmare right now. Fucking ge- loose copies of the Game Boy Advance games going for $150, near $200. I, these games were printed in fucking piles and piles. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's insane. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, who do you blame? You bl- yeah, you blame millennials. I-, I think the one thing, though, that- that's a little bit different, and this goes, and this goes, it's all connected to NFTs to some degree, and, and it's connected to crypto, is that it-, it goes back to, you know, you know the boomers, the boomers, uh, you know, go back to like the greatest generation helped build the country up after World War II uh, and the Depression. The-, the boomers basically fucking strip mined what the greatest generation did. Uh, and pulled pulled most of the ladder up, which is what Jim was saying, and I, I agree with some of that. Pulled the ladder up. So, I, I agree with that. Yes. So, so millennials at this point then are like, well, how do I get mine? How do I make my money? And how am I comfortable with my with my house, two dogs, and a picket fence? How do I get my American dream? It's been perverted either by technology or the fact that they really are that desperate is that I will take a gamble on crypto. I will put all my life savings into Dogecoin. I will buy these fucking NFTs and take the gamble. This huge gamble, life savings gambles of either win it big or I'm back to where I was, but wasn't that bad before anyway. I'll just try again. So I think the expression I saw was like, not like usually it's like, oh, it's the ladder of life that you climb up. Now it's a potential trampoline where it's like you try to bounce up immediately. But you can fall on your ass. Yeah, you're not so, going to grow into uh, a comfortable life. No, it's not growth over time. It's either all or nothing. You may have very comfortable points in your life, followed by low points again, followed by high. But yeah. but the, but the theory is is that well, since I'm such at a low point anyway, I'll take that loan out to buy this crypto and strike it big. It's they're basically you're basically gambling with your with your life. That's what a lot of this. Comes. I'm not saying this is all people buying these Pokemon cards, but it's that mentality of well, I have to do this. This is the way I get money now is I go and I run over other people. I've seen the video footage, run over people to get fucking boxes of Pokemon cards. And these are adults. These are grown men doing this. These are so fuck the kids. They can't even get anything, by the way. Fuck the Zoomers, because I want to get my box of cards that I could flip for whatever. What are they going for? What's a box of new Pokemon cards going for? I have not checked. 
Like you, you wish that the Pokemon uh, company can just pump all this shit out and flood the market, so then kids could have stuff to play with right. and fuck the adults trying to invest in it and to scalp it. And that's what sucks so much. The Pokemon trading card game is a shitload of fun. I love it. And you know. uh, when lockdown started, I was like, ah, time for me to organize my cards, make a couple decks, and uh, get back into this. And I was like, oh, I guess, guess that's not going to be happening now. So what's the newest set this year? Like, what is it? I don't know. What the, they put out, they put out sets very, very frequently. I'm just trying to see what a what a set of cards even goes for. I'm like, I'm trying to see like, what is it worth the time that I got to get up 7 a.m. in the morning, run my ass to Target against other grown men, and and fight over boxes of cards. A sword and shield uh, box, booster box, $200. Buy it now. 79 sold. What does that go for? What would the retail that be? 200 is what they're selling it for? What would retail be? 50 No. Uh, a retail box? A full box what's of a, boosters? What's the pack cost? Uh, about five bucks. The uh, full box. I bought boxes of Pokemon cards before. It's about 100 and anywhere from 95 to 120 Okay, so they're doubling their money, kind yeah. of, if they're going to Target and buying Close. it. yes. Something like that. Jesus, is that worth it to do something like that? No. I, mean, I don't think so. Uh, booster box, Silver Lance, and Jet Black set, $175 from Japan. So it seems like you can't, well, you can't get them in stores. You got to buy them directly from someone who already has a bunch of them or wholesalers. I know someone that's wholesaled, who's bought wholesale stuff, a box of cards, and they just sit on them for years now because they know that. In five, six years from now, this is going to be worth a certain amount of money. I'll just sell it then. So I'm sure that goes on as well. I'm Probably. Sure, I'm sure there's people that... People I mean, that absolutely. There shops. are people yeah. who are... There are people doing this now looking at what a cost of base, base Pokemon sure. from the you know 90s was uh, going for now. And they're like, well, if I just sit on this box for fucking you know, 20 years, 20 years, it'll be worth something. Mm. That's a... That's a gamble. It's a bold gamble. It's a bold gamble. But I know people that have done that in the shorter term. Yeah, five years later, we know it can go for this. So we'll buy, we'll say, I'll buy $2,000 worth of boxes of this card set, we'll just say. If I know, looking historically, it'll at least double or triple, then maybe it's worth that gamble over time. Eventually, though, it runs out. I mean, the interest has to run out. So I don't know. Do you see, do you see a different mindset, Ian, though, amongst people our age, maybe slightly older, slightly less, the ex-lennials or older Gen X, about spending the amount of money going back on this stuff uh, versus what our parents did. Because, like, my father, he brought me to the toy shows in the 90s. And, then, and that's why I said there's always been nostalgia. Uh, yes, there was more heavy advertising in, in the 80s. And, and let's, put, let's be honest. The cartoons of the 80s were miles ahead of the cartoons from the 70s and 60s. Let's, so, for first off, it wasn't just, yes, they heavily advertised toys for us. The toys got a lot better. The cartoons got a lot better, too. Mm-hmm. Johnny Quest is not G.I. Joe. You know, the Hanna-Barbera crap is not Transformers or Ninja Turtles. They're not even close to, like, the level of entertainment. I can't watch that 70s stuff. I couldn't when I was a kid. Yeah, you know, it's not. I couldn't it's watch garbage. it then either. It's garbage and stories. The toys sucked. I've never um, been one who got nostalgic for Saturday morning cartoons because so much of it was filler trash. <laughs> but but overall, though, better than 80s was a leagues oh, ahead sure. of the 70s yes. and 60s. So it's not just because, well, TV heavily advertised. They always advertise towards their kids. That said... My father in the '90s, when he when when you know he was Jesus Christ our age in the '90s, when I went to toy shows, I was looking for Star Wars toys. He was looking for Mark's toys that he grew up with, you know, in the '50s and '60s. The little toy army men, and you know, you had your Revolutionary War set. The, you know, the little plastic. Right. That's what he grew up with. There was no action figures in the '50s. You know, that that started coming with the late '70s. GI Joes were still dolls. The late '70s, when you had the three and three quarter guys, that also helped to revolutionize things as well because now toys became cheaper. That's a whole other conversation, though. 
that there weren't little action figures until the late 70s. And that partially because of probably, I think, the oil crisis and cost right. of plastics. Whole other conversation. But in the 90s, it was uh, in 80s, model trains that the boomers grew up with. It, Mark's toys is worth a lot more, and it was stuff that they enjoyed. And that fell off. This will fall off to us as well. But yes, it's a weird, perfect storm of, 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 of the, 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 the better IPs, um, social media, and now this sort of get-rich-quick stuff that now has frenzied us the past couple of years. Is that it? That's about it. Did I cover it all? Yeah, I think we got it. All right. Uh, Ian, we have a, we have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash CU Podcast. I do writing. We do uh, hangouts. We get the full video podcast. You do. And we do uh, these polls, these question and answer polls. We have a two-thirds, one-third split on our poll this week. Really? Right? right? 67-33. I didn't, I didn't download a look at it particularly. Well, I'll be. Well, it's usually 66 and two-thirds repeating. But in second place, what would make you sell just about all your game collection? 33%. Not getting the respect I think it should. And in first place, how did you discover a very good game that wasn't well-known, I guess, at the time? So it's still not very well-known. Uh, the one that I, I thought of that I really wanted to talk about um, was Board Game Top Shop for the uh, original PlayStation. And this came out at near the end of the, um, the original PlayStation's life, like run. And there were all of these like cheap budget games that were starting to be released. Uh, I don't know if you remember the Spec Ops series. There was like oh, yeah. five fucking Spec Ops games. Five? I, there was a lot of them, and they were all like nine ninety nine. You know, and they were they all S- sucked. Snap the guy in the head. But people people <laughs> yeah. bought them. They sucked. Really, they weren't that good. Okay. Um, and then there was uh, the A one games line, uh, which had uh, such titles as the shooting game, cards, bowling. Uh, you want me to try Ceratops? No. I know. Uh, like, I think one was like RPG Treasure. Uh, basically, they all had like one or two word names that clearly and succinctly described what was what you were buying. Okay. And they were all like budget titles uh, and they weren't very good. But I got into the habit of picking them up used because even like brand new used, they were like five, six bucks, seven bucks. Like they were cheap and I wanted to see what they were. Well, one of them was called Board Game Top Shop, and I remember walking into my local video game store and seeing it on the used rack, and I looked at my friend Jay, and I said, what is this? I think I have to have it, because on the front, it shows like a, it says Board Game Top Shop has a little boy dressed in like a frog suit on the front of it. Okay. And I'm like, what is this? So I bought it and uh, took it home. I was living in my uh, living in my first apartment at the time. And unwrapped it and sat down and started to play it. And it turned out to be a extremely good Monopoly-like game. What, what console is this? PlayStation. Uh, and it takes place in a mall. And there's a bunch of different there's malls. A cat, immediately there's a cat in a car. Yep. One meow. Oh, my first chance to get rich. Money, money, money. There's a rich cat in the game. Yeah, the game is great. The game is legitimately amazing. So it's it's the game takes place in a mall and you roll a dice and you move around the mall. And when you land on spots, you can open businesses in those spots. Each floor has different valued spots. So you get the lowest tier shops on the bottom and the most expensive tiered shops on top. If you open the spaces 
if you uh, if you open a spot and then open something next to it, it expands the store. As the store expands, you can stock more items. When people land on a store, they have to buy an item from your okay. store. If your store is out of items when they land on it, they can buy you out and turn it into a different store. That's interesting. It's a really good game. Incredibly clever. As far as I can tell, it's not ripped off wholesale from anything else. I mean, obviously, it's got Monopoly, you know, like stuff in it. But it's not like just a a clone of something with a new coat of paint. Sure. Uh, The story is, for what it is, is weird. The game has a lot of charm. The sprite art is good. Um, And we played this so much at my first apartment. So wait, how did you discover this game? Like I said, by buying by buying all of these budget titles, I stumbled upon this one and decided it was, that oh, I had to have it. Oh, it was just sitting there for five yeah, bucks, it, it, it ten was, bucks. It was, yeah, it was at the, well, the local it's, game it's, store. It's, like it's hard to find. They didn't make a lot of them. I'm looking on, e- I'm looking on eBay. How much is it? <laughs> 50 bucks. Buy it now. Well, I guess it's getting more notable. Uh, I think I have two copies of it. Oh, man. May I buy one for me and make a deal? It's a great game, though. You have two copies of it? I, I, uh, well, it, it was not always fifty dollars. It used to be like a couple of bucks, and I would buy. Oh, liter- what... I would buy literally every copy that I I came across, and I'd give them out to people. Oh, I was to say you, you could have cornered the market. No, it looks like thirty eight bucks. One went for eighteen. It looks like the, there's only the only ones are buy it nows, but it looks like you can get fifty bucks for it. Of all those A one games budget releases, that's probably the only one that's actually worth a damn. Oh, there's a kid of the yeah the frog suit. It's hysterical. Yeah. Okay. I'm not, how, this company put out a bunch of other said budget titles. So. The company released a bunch of budget titles, but not all of them were developed by the same people. Different developers for each one. Sure. Okay. So, so, so how was you literally just said, okay, here's a budget bin of games and I'm going to fucking put yeah, my Yeah, this was pre-social in. media. I used to always go to my local game shop. I, I hung out there a lot. I knew the people who worked there. And I just started buying these budget releases and I stumbled on this one. Um, the only budget... When I, it goes back to computer games. Always, I always talk about how awesome the KB Toy Store computer game bin was. It because, really was. There was because it's not like KB specialized in computer games. It wasn't a huge section, but somehow they they got stuff there that was either a couple years old or not the newest. But they did have some stuff that was. It was weird KB. I wish I knew more about this or remember. But they had a bin of like the Sierra games or adventure games and stuff. Like I remember buying Goblins too, um, and like was like that's a, that's an interesting looking game. I'll it's try it. Game. I was like, oh, it's like it was like ten bucks. Cocktail the, Vision, I think. Huh? Cocktail Vision developed that. I thought it was uh, Dynamics. Dynamics published it. Dynamics yeah. published it. Um, you know, big box PC. I wish I still had that. Um, never never got far, and it was too difficult for you know. 11, 12-year-old Pat. Anyway, so like that was a bargain bins are a great way because you can take a chance on 10 bucks versus 50 yeah. bucks. You take a chance. I took a chance on, 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 on seeing boobs in Noctropolis. Never got that far. But you know what? It only cost me 10 bucks to get that game <laughs> at Computer City. Noctropolis comes up again. Or Comp USA, yes. Um, I, I think we sort of discount nowadays about the influence potentially back when you were a child but again this is pre-internet that's why i like being an ex-lineal i'm the last generation that you know saw how what it like before the internet or not having friends that would introduce you to new games randomly that you would never ever ever when you go over the house never ever ever play i remember playing joe and mac for the first time the super nintendo was, was still fairly new i never heard of the arcade game before caveman ninja and it's like, oh this is a fun game this is goofy characters you know, maybe I see the Nintendo Power. It doesn't mean it like stuck in my mind though. Uh, but 
something like that, like a Joe and Max sort of game, is a perfect example of a game that I don't think ever without without word of mouth would have been bought by a lot of people. It's not that I don't remember seeing commercials for it. You know, it wasn't featured on. You know, it wasn't like a heavy feature in Nintendo Power. I don't think was it on the cover. I don't think it was on the cover. That's a great example. Going over to good old Billy's house, like Billy had. You know, he had Genesis stuff. There's no way I'd be able to learn about Genesis games outside of TV commercials. But he had he had a first he had a bunch of like the first you know the first year of Genesis before you know pre Sonic Genesis right that weird oh is this going to be another failure period yeah it's just sports games and arcade titles but you know he had Buster Douglas boxing which was all right I would never would have played that game and he had uh, Michael Jackson's Moonwalker I never would have played or knew anything about that game if I, if I didn't play it at Billy's house never. Would discover that game. Never remember seeing. Well, the arcade game was entirely different. Never even remember seeing the arcade game at the time. It's a hard, probably hard to find an arcade game. So Moon I never. Walker? Yeah, yeah. I've only I seen, it, seen it once. I played it once. I played it at uh, three player weirdo you know, isometric game. I think I played it in Long Island. Yeah, that's a, that's a game like that. I would never have discovered uh, for sure. Uh, but then you get into. Uh, I don't know if you can count. You know, um, magazine stuff. But you think you have to count magazines uh, because there's no way um, – yeah, magazines are responsible for a lot of the marketing uh, of video games even up until I'd say the mid-90s. Um, a lot of the popular games would get commercials. Some of the weird – I mean I'm, I still discover some of the NES games that got commercials that I find when I search for the NES Marathon every year. I'm like, oh, I've discovered this commercial. I never saw most of those commercials when I was a kid. Yeah, I, I would have saw Captain Skyhawk commercials. Uh, but I never, I never saw a Hudson's Adventure Island commercial when I was a kid. Mm, I never no. saw one. They, they they had one, I think, for one of the games. I never saw one. Um, so how did you discover games like that? Well, you saw a little like top secret episode. There was a top secret commercial episode. There was using was se- there using Secret Agent Man as the as the, as the you know the sixty <laughs> thing. It's like he's not he's an assassin. He's not a secret agent, but that's how they sold it to kids. But. I saw Nintendo Power. I'm like, oh, there's a there's a little, you know, there's a little. Uh, I think it was the second second and third issue, or maybe the first issue. They they talked about the game a little bit. There's a little overview about the game. Oh, it, it gave you a feeling for the game. That's how you discovered these games. Uh, that and the big one we always come back to: magazines. Going over to your friend's house, you probably have a story about your friend having a game that you never knew about. You're like, oh, look at that. Uh, like my my Kevin had TNC Surf designs. I was like, I never would have play that game right. if Billy did excuse me if Kevin didn't have that game I never would have played that game never would have discovered that game and it's a fun game even though it has its flaws uh, but I go back to rentals renting games that is the, that was like the, the version of bargain bin stuff yeah where it's like oh I can ch- take a chance a mom or my allowance because renting a game in the in the late 80s was about two to three dollars roughly like that then it went up to a little bit more in the 90s but it was like two to three like three let's just say three bucks to rent a game uh, you know, going to Magic Star Video, there's no way I would have ever played Mickey Mouse Capade if it wasn't a rental. There's no way I would have done that. Sure. There's no way I would have taken a chance on Wizards and Warriors, even though I hate it at the time. I think nowadays I probably would have a better time playing it. I think it was too hard to jump when I was when I was probably like eight years old. Wizards and Warriors? Yeah. That game's not great. It's clunky, but people like it. It's sold. And but but again, I'm not taking that chance. Like, how do you play those games? There's no internet. How do you play those? How do you discover those games? Uh, back then, there's, there's no there's, there's no way. That's not, obviously it's not a very good game. I'd argue that Mickey Mouse Capades is probably a, a decent game, not a great game, but a decent game. Mickey Mouse Capades. I like it. Uh, yeah, but no, I'm not discovering these games if it wasn't for 
for renting it. God damn it. Like that's the one thing where like, oh, I think we still need that. You know, but nowadays it's like, well, you have YouTube videos and demos to take the place of that. It's not the, it's not the same as taking that risk and being stuck with the one game for two days. It's not the same. I'm not just cranky old man. There's something about being forced to play something that's almost liberating, you know? Yeah. Forced to have less selection. Frank Cifaldi said in Opera Resale, it forces you to be a more interesting person, he argues, having less choice. Because you, you go out of your way to try stuff you never would. Yep, I agree. If I were stuck with a game one time, like I wouldn't play this fucking game, but now, you know, it's what I got. Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to... I, lots of games like that. Kung, Kung Fu Heroes is one that I always think of. Uh, Which I've grown to adore, by the way. Oh, I Kung love Fu that Heroes. game now. But I, there was a, I, I hated it when I first got it. Played it. Did I review that for the book, or you did? Got into it. Hated it again yeah. in my in my teenage years, and that. lately I've been really into it. I, I downloaded the, I think I downloaded. Oh, it's on um, it's on the uh, Switch NES streaming service, and I've been playing it on there. Uh, I gave it three stars. Bob average game. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Did I review that? I thought I reviewed that. Oh, where's Where's the review of my app here? Oh, this is the the beta of the new app. Oh, not the upgrade. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's what it comes down to. Friends House Magazine Random Games. Or Bargain Bin, I guess. That's how you, you can discover a very good game that wasn't well known. Nowadays it's you gotta really probably dig in Steam and be like, okay, what what has someone not reviewed or rated? Yeah, how do you discover something like that nowadays? Right. I or a friend just goes, Hey, try this weird game out. That's it. That's it. All right, Ian, we have uh we got uh we got voice uh voice messages you can listen to. You can listen to. No, you can't listen to them. You listen to them now. You can send them at anchor.fm. Slash to see your podcast. And uh, yeah, you could, uh, you could uh, tell us we're cool if you want, or you can hate on us. Um, try to do better with the trolling attempts, though, maybe. 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 Hey, Pat and Ian. This is David calling from the San Gabriel Valley. And this question is for both of y'all. Is there any chance in the future that a country cut will ever come out of any of the punk videos that you've both been in? And if so, what would be the Jared Leto Joker Jesus moment? <laughs> Of that cut. Country right. cuts. Uh, the Jared Leto Joker Jesus version of that? Um, I don't. I'm not sure we're trying to get. Um, I, we've done about five videos together: Stadium Events, Anticipation, um, the Fifth Anniversary one, uh, Stadium Events. Did I say that? Yeah. A um, couple others. Uh, the most fun we had was Anticipation, I think, because because of the just we we just riffed on the game. Yeah, that it was, was the it most was, fun. It was almost like a let's play. I was gonna say that one. I don't think there's really. I I mean, you would know, but I don't think there's any videos we've done where there's been like whole scenes that you just got rid of. But there's no. probably stuff that you left on the cutting room floor for the anticipation video. Oh yeah, there's lots of stuff of us riffing on. I I, I trimmed down the best stuff. And then, then of course Ian gets in the, the epic fight with uh, Donkey Kong. Which we love. Ian loved fil- filming that. <laughs> yeah, loved it. Loved it. Oh, he also, he also was in the original NWC one, where I threw him against the wall a couple of times. Yes. Yeah. Sorry for abrupt the up. That's Ian. fine. Method acting. It's got to be believable. Yeah, it's all good. But you did great. Oh, of course, the Caltron six and one. That oh, was yes. too long. Here's the thing about my writing. I've gotten more economical in my writing going forward. I, I realized don't not to let things play out as long. And with my editing. So if I went back, these videos would be shorter. If I went back, I'd actually cut for pacing, like second here, there, two seconds. I'd actually cut these down if I went back. It wouldn't be longer. That's the thing. Yeah. So some of them are too long. Looking back, I can't. I can't rewatch them. Um, except for track and field is probably my crowning achievement. It's a track and field video. I still think it's my best video. 
<laughs> just because of Frank and my stupid fucking outfit. And Ian, Ian, thanks, Ian, for help filming that. That was fun. This, that one was that right. was fun. That one was all right. Because I was suffering and dehydrated. <laughs> my girlfriend, Tom, I come back in this fucking silver 80s shoot, and I'm like, I remember, oh, God. Heat stroked. And I'm like, oh, hey, hey, honey. She's looking at me like, I'm dating this fucking asshole, basically. <laughs> what did I do? So instead of spending you know, spend a Sunday morning with a beautiful woman, I'm like outside 90 degree heat in a fucking sweatsuit. <laughs> uh, what's the next one here? Oh, Justin. Remember Justin who ran for uh, mayor of uh, Austin? I do. We have an update on him. Justin Macaluso was run- running for mayor. He-, he left a nice little message for us. Um, I checked on Ballotpedia, excellent website, and uh, he didn't get in last place, Justin. That's good. He, he didn't get in last place, but he got 0.1% of the votes. Oh. At 207 votes total. <laughs> so good for you. There was about 12 people that ran for for uh, mayor, all nonpartisan, which is interesting. I don't know if that's a thing in Austin or there's no denomination for anyone. I mean, that's not a thing for mayor there. But uh, there was two people. Ron Nirenberg beat Greg Brockhouse uh, for, for, for the title there of mayor. All right, next one here. Uh... Hey, Pat and Ian. This is Joe from Connecticut. And I was wondering, what games do you like to play with your pets? We recently just got a puppy, and she loves to watch me play Animal Crossing. Thanks. Been watching the podcast for a while, and you're doing a great job. Keep it up. What does Spike like to watch you play, Ian? Uh, Everything. Uh, When I pick up a video game controller, that's Spike's cue to make sure he's right here on my lap. Loves to get in the way. I don't think he, he just knows. He's like, I'm gonna. I'm I don't gonna think he prefers you. anything <laughs> more so than 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 other games. Uh, but yes, he does like to be on. Uh, he he loves to sit on our laps when we're playing games. He definitely pays attention. I don't remember my cats of yesteryear ever caring about me playing a video game. I don't remember cuddles ever doing anything. Fajita uh, uh, blue screened my PC in the in the late nineties a couple of times. He would just flop down on the keyboard. <laughs> you know, back when you hit more like four keys, which was fucking. Fuck up Windows 95, you know, at the time, or yeah. 98. It's like, thanks, Fajita. Thanks a lot, buddy. Hey, Ian and Pat. This is Jason from Texas. Big fan of your show. Just wanted to ask you both if you actually, um, I'm sure you've been in the past, but since you live in San Diego, what do you miss about going to Comic-Con? I haven't been in years, but I know um, a lot of people in the past, before COVID, were complaining that Hollywood hijacked Comic-Con, supposedly. But um, what do you miss about going to, to conventions in general, but especially Comic-Con, which was actually a lot of fun to do back in the day. So just wanted to ask. Thanks for the show, guys. Keep it up. Thanks, Jason. Uh, yeah, I, I, I miss seeing some of the stuff. I miss looking at the, the comics. I, I miss looking at some of the cosplayers. Um, sometimes you bump into a celebrity. It could be it could be fun. For, like Frank, uh, historically, almost knocked over uh, Scott Green one time. He, he ran into Quentin Tarantino looking for comics one time. He ran into Rosario Dawson. Who's which, Scott Green? Seth Green? Seth Green. That's Scott Green. I'm sorry. Seth Green. He ran. He literally ran into Seth Green. Almost knocked him over. No, I remember you telling um, me. I was trying to remember. His, and Rosario Dawson name. was on the floor at a table hanging out. This is like, I guess, 10, 11 years ago before she was like a superstar. And like, I never saw this stuff before. But anyway, so that's, yeah. Once you got to the 2000, early 2010s, yes, it became a lot more radicalized with Hollywood taking over chunks of it by the late 2000s, early 2010s. But no, I just miss walking around. I miss looking at the weird stuff. I, uh, Maybe it's good to have the year off from it. Maybe it was good to have that year in between. Well, it's going to be two years now. Well, they're doing no, the do, one in no, November. Do, yeah, do November, three days. That'll be big-ish. I'm going. It's a weird fucking time to do it. Why? People still go. Black Friday weekend? Just yeah, very Black, strange. Black Friday doesn't count anymore. Very strange. Buy stuff online. Uh, what do I, I, I love 
Comic-Con. I know it, it, over the years it's become kind of hip to not like Comic-Con, like you said, because Holly, you know, it's been bought out and ruined by Holly. Fuck it. I have fun like every year I go. I always have a good time. Um, and it's not even so much about the convention itself. It's that Comic-Con always brings people into town that I want to see. There's always friends that are in town that I want to see. Um, it's the one time a year that I actually, you know, hang out and do anything in the gas lamp. Uh, it's just a really good time. I, li- I like I like the feel. I like walking around. I've I've even curbed like my buying a ton, but I still just like walking oh, yeah. around the convention. Last time I, I think I spent twenty bucks the whole time. I, I don't buy anything. Yeah, the I first buy- the first couple times I went to Comic Con, like you know, over a decade ago, I was spending hundreds, and now it's like I yeah, I think I spent maybe sixty bucks. I'll look time. for I'll look for a, tra- a few trade paperbacks, half price. That's what I buy. But, I don't buy toys anymore. But I, I love it. And Vani's always looking. Vani always makes sure that she's got her list with her of stuff to look for. And sure. she actually does hunt comics. So it's it's fun to like go there go with someone the who's actually into yeah. comics and go through no, the stacks and be part of the hunt. I, 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 used, I used to help Frank uh, go through. Let's see. Next. Hey, Pat and Ian. This is CU Podcast Memes from Los Angeles, California. Oh. I was calling to ask, how do you feel about people saying Ness and SNES. I think they're okay. I don't like it, but particularly (laughs) what bothers me is younger people always say Super Mario Bros. Mm. They never say brothers. Mm. That really bothers me. Mm. Saying bros once in a while Mm. is fine, but how do you feel about canonical pronunciation of Super (laughs) Mario Bros Mm. for younger gamers well it's 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 ignorance about what these terms actually are and i had to look this up because i always i always um mixed up an acronym versus an initialism snes and nes are initialisms like fbi you say the letters out loud and this is canonical with nintendo nintendo never said snes or nes they say nes and it's actually super nes technically nintendo never actually said snes it's always super nes that's technically what it is Uh, an acronym is like nasa where you don't pronounce national was it aviation and science agency? Is that I get that right? Um, you just say NASA, like you kind of make it make it a word. That's an acronym. Brothers, B R O S, period, is an abbreviation. Children, you don't say bros. It, it is a divide between younger and old people. I've seen they say like Smash Bros instead of Smash Brothers. I yes. do see that. Maybe it's easier to say that you don't want to pronounce the brothers. I'm I'm getting into my editing gr- grammar mode. Yes, you don't say snes and nes. It is it is a divide as well. I think with with people so. made me realize that I I don't follow like any of those rules all the way through. It's NES and Super NES or SNES. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I couldn't think of it. I, I do say Super NES. I think more than anything. Um, but Super Mario Brothers, I say, but I do call Smash Brothers Smash Bros. Really? Yeah. You go Smash Bros. Because it's just easier. You don't say an extra syllable Smash Bros. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's like one word. Honestly, Smash Bros. I think it, it, it's like, like you said, it's, it's just one syllable, but I think it is. I think it's laziness from constantly calling you, the other store okay, and having to sense. deal with Smash Bros. It's just Smash Bros. Or you just said you have Smash. They'll be like, or oh, Smash. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I, honestly, I probably say Smash more than Smash Bros. But I, I don't think I've ever called it. I'm, I'm trying to think of if I've ever called it Smash Brothers, and I don't think I have. Super. No one says, no one says Super Smash Bros. No one says the actual full name. No. By the way, that's going to be the last thing I reviewed for the certain N64 guidebook. Super Smash Brothers. Super Smash. Hey, guys. Mike from Michigan here. Mike. I am completely and 100% obsessed with the PlayStation 1. Whoa. What are your guys' favorite PlayStation 1 games, if any? And are there any really rare ones that you would absolutely kill to have? Thanks. 
be safe and have a great one. Thanks, Michael. I'm not a PS1 person. This, historically, I, I have a bunch of games on the rotisserie over there. This, um, so I'm not really the guy to ask. Ian's the guy to ask on that one. Um, yeah, so a lot of games. I love the PlayStation 1. Uh, Parasite Eve, Saga Frontier, uh, Legend of Mana. Those are three of my favorite RPGs. They're all on that system. Um, I also really like uh, Trap Gunner, which I think I've even talked about a little bit on I this, think I've, you, on this yes, uh, show before. Uh, can't Stop Mr. Domino. Just driving all the prices up. Whenever you mention a PS1 game, I look it up, it's like $100. Incredible Crisis, I enjoyed. Uh, and I love the uh, Busta Groove series. Oh, yes. No, the dancing one, not not the bubble, oh. not the bubble popping, not oh. Busta Move. Did I play Busta Groove ever? Busta Groove. What does that look love like? Love those games. What type of game is that? Rhythm game. So it's on a pad? No. Hybrid music fighting game. But I enjoy Oh, I've never played this before. Uh, Ridge Racer Type 4. Probably my favorite racing game. Period. I'm sure he has that. Probably. Does he have that one? I wonder. He says he's trying to collect all of them? I don't know. All right, next. Hey, Ian, Pat. This is James from the middle of England. Hey. Uh, about five minutes from Sherwood Forest. Oh. I think when I was about nine years old-ish, uh, we were playing through Mario Brothers 3 for the first time. Um, I figured out that if you blew the second warp whistle in the warp zone, it would take you straight to World 8. Uh, at the time, no guides, no magazines, no YouTube, nothing to tell me that that was a good thing. I thought I was a gaming genius. I thought I'd figured out something that no one else could have possibly figured out. <laughs> no one. Uh, never had that feeling again, unfortunately. Oh. Um, so my question is for both of you. Have you ever had any experiences like that, past or present, if you avoid guides and, and help on the internet, where you thought you must be a gaming genius? Where were you a gaming genius, Ian? Uh, never. <laughs> I don't think well, I've well, ever well, been a gaming find, genius. Finding a, 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 a hidden um, cache of weapons in Wolfenstein. But I did think my parents uh, were gaming geniuses. My parents found the first warp zone in Mario without, you know, magazines or guides or anything. They like around the top and, and like, I, oh. They're like, let's see if we can do it. And sure enough, you could. And I, uh, I, I remember that clearly because that's when I think I realized that I loved video games. I was like, there's secret shit in here? Yeah, I... I mean, I, you can't. You, I mean, Super, the original Super Mario Brothers had so much that was wasn't done before that people. I mean, not that they sleep on it, but don't tell me that game isn't a genius game. No, it's not as good as. Shut the no, hell it's, up. It's, it's as good as whatever you're gonna yes. say. Yes. <laughs> no, uh, shut up. Shut up. Because <laughs> because you can't fucking ride in a dinosaur doesn't mean it's a worse game. Okay, <laughs> I'm skipping that one. I'm skipping that one. This one. There we go. Hey, Pat and Ian, this is Abram from Louisiana. Um, I was just wondering why you guys uh, have never mentioned Fightcade or more specifically Fightcade 2. Um, that's a great platform. And uh, just wondering why we never hear anything about it from you guys. Because I don't know what it is. I had to look it up. I had no idea what this is. <laughs> I do actually uh, have a, a rough idea of what this software is. Software client used to enable network multiplayer play of various arcade and home console systems via emulation. Oh, so it's an em, it's an emulation uh, network solution. Uh, oh. Yes, and I think yeah, I think it works with Mame. I think. Oh, nice. Um, it uses network networking middleware from GGPO, so it has rollback netcode. Um, it's so it, what I've seen it big for is uh, people will do like bottom tier fighting game tournaments like they'll take all the crap that was shoveled out in like the time 90s. killers I, torment god 
Lincoln and I have played so much Time Killers. I love Time Killers, but it's a horrible game. It I is love a horrible it. game. I've played so I much of it, though, that I, 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 I have contemplated getting the, the PCB. I've played so much Time Killers. Are you Killers. seriously? Yes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's my only experience with Fightcade, and it seems like fun. It's just not something I've ever gotten into, but when they do those tournaments with all of, like, the bullshit fighters, that's really appealing. Is this what they use, you think? Like, when, when they do, like, the, those Capcom, like, beat up compilations for multiplayer, they use something like, something like this, you think, in order to make the multiplayer work? I don't know. Potentially. I don't know. That's interesting. Uh, next up. Next. Hi, this is a question for Ian. Um, why do you no longer go by the gaming gadfly moniker? <laughs> and um, is that a reference to Socrates? Thank you. No, it was, uh, it was never meant to be like something I went as i wanted it in like one episode of uh the video game years and they ran with it it was just a reference to moraka who i always found very humorous on clip shows he did and, i love the 80s and 70s yeah, yeah he did all the 70s 80s 90s ones and uh the uh subtitle under him was uh media gadfly because he had there was like nothing he really did at the time he was just like on these shows he was on the daily show yeah he did all sorts of things and at the time that we did video game years i wasn't doing the podcast i'd been in a couple episodes so i just was like i, I thought of something <sighs> stupid to put underneath you want to be old this coming january will be the 10th anniversary of the video game years wow 77 episode coming out so we we filmed that stuff 10 years ago those first the first episode or two holy shit nice nice hey pat and Ann. this is jackson from the podcast of two consoles too late I recently did a fundraiser on my Facebook uh, wearing, uh, I would say, like nerdy T-shirts, and I did it to raise money for the Starlight Foundation. Oh, nice. Um, I was able to reach uh, uh, my goal of $100 in about a week. I know you guys do fundraisers, um, but what are some of your favorite charities? And Ian, how is that cup and jar pepperoni? Thanks, guys. Love the show. (laughs) Pepperoni's great. Thank you. Well, obviously, we've worked, uh, we've done three or four chairs over the years. Um, obviously we always do one for a local Rady's Children's Hospital. Um, I love AmeriCares. They do a lot of good work. I, we've raised money for them before. At least we, we, do, we did one mm-hmm. marathon for them because of the disasters. I think it was all the, I forget why we did it, but we did that. I've also done AmeriCares on my own. A Children's Miracle Network. Yeah, it's Rady's, but yeah. yeah. Children's Miracle Network. And they did, um, we've done that. Uh, World Wildlife Fund. It's another one. Obviously helping to save all the, all the critters out there. I do uh they're essential. Uh we never did we never raised money directly for the San Diego Zoo. Now I feel like I should since I haven't done that before. I almost feel like I should for their whole, you know, network and all the good work they do. Yeah, actually I would love to do that at some point. That god you know, I, I want to be rich just so I can give them money. Bonnie <laughs> and I talk about that every time we go. If we were rich, so much money would just be thrown at the zoo. I don't need to put my name on the plaque. I was no, I want this is uh, the marsupial section that Pat donated. You know, I want a whole section of critters. That's what I want. I can just go there and realize, hey, hey, eat up. It's on Pat's dime, marsupials. <laughs> they have a lot of marsupials. Hey, Pat and Ian. This is Andrew from Maryland. My daughter is turning three in a few months, and I'm trying to get her interested in playing video games, not just watching. I wanted her to try playing NES games with an authentic NES-style controller on a modern TV. What way do you recommend? I've got a Switch, but the Pro Controller is too big for her hands. The hmm. NES Classic would be great, but it's way too expensive now, and I don't have one. And naturally, I'll be referencing a certain handy guidebook on selecting the game, of course. 
Thanks, guys. Uh, I'll get shit for this, for saying this uh, from people. Don't you dare who, say Tom Sawyer. No. Uh, okay. uh, no, he's talking about, he wants to know how he would do it. Not, not a game suggestion. Um, <laughs> I'll get shit from people who take this stuff far more seriously than I do. And I don't love a lot of Hyperkin products, but the Retron HD is $40. $30 probably if you find it on sale. Uh, hooks up via HDMI, uses the original Nintendo controllers. And carts, yeah. And carts. I've sold a ton of them. Don't have a lot of issues with them. Okay. I, people well, have those, issues. Those don't give you shit for saying that, I don't think. A lot of people. Oh, there's a lot of people out there that don't like Hyperkin, and I don't like a lot of their stuff. But if you go product by product, they have made some good things. And I think if it's really just kind of a trip down memory lane, you don't want to invest a lot in this. You just want to play some old games for a while. A $40 Retron HD is a good choice. I'll do a couple more here. Ian maze ladders, swamp men and chibi cat people. Um, It's a game boy game. Uh, Those are the things that I remember from it. All right. Uh, I want to know what that Game Boy game is. I played it when I was a kid. Can't not remember what it was called. You play a little cat person. Cat trap. You like it's cat put trap. ladders around or climb up ladders. It's cat you trap. dodge like bricks and swamp men. I don't recall the Thank swamp you. men, but I'm pretty sure that's uh, cat trap. So it seems like there's a, there's a married children reference now for every every week. So there's an episode where Al can't remember a song. He can't remember a song he listened to when he was uh, like in his high school years. It was mm-hmm, him, and he's running around the whole episode trying to find out what the name of it was. He goes into the record store. And oh, there, there. Yeah, it is Swamp Man. I always thought they looked more like mummies. The but... game's called Catch Up. So he goes into the record store, and there's this genius guy behind the counter where someone's going like, B-b-b-b-b-b-b. and he's like, I know the song. And he, he gets all these so- songs. And then Al actually knows the whole lyric. He goes, go with him. And of course, it's the one song the guy has no idea. He's like, I don't know what that song is next, and Al walks away unhappy. But Ian is now the Swami of Game Boy games. He can answer you. You know, he can tell you what's going on with that. It's one of my only talents, uh, cat trap. It looks oh, like it was... you, you use crochet a, a little tea set or whatever. I little... did. Uh, it looks like it was called Pitman in Japan. Only talents. Come on, you're you're decent on the mic. No, one two one two. Hey guys, it's Ian from Texas. Oh, Love Ian. your show. Wow. My question for both of you, based on something Ian mentioned once about a customer saying they were a collectionist, yeah. I straight up died laughing when I heard that and wondered if you'd heard or read any other hilarious terms from people like that. Thanks. Any other terms besides collectionist? Off the of... top of my head, no, but I mean, collectionist was a good one. But, yeah. It's a combination of two words to make up a word that doesn't exist. Yeah. I mean, how can you do better than that? <laughs> No, I, I think I think that's like cream of the crop. And to this day, we he, got the best right out, yeah, of, right, yeah, right out of the way. I don't know at the time if he actually thought that was a word or he just mixed up two words in his head. That, that custom. He was a very serious young man. I'm a collectionist. Okay. You don't think he was screwing with you making that word up? No, 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 no. He was absolutely not screwing around with me. A collectionist is that? Is that in Merriam-Webster or Oxford? Collectionist. There's Le Collectionist, Luxury Vias, Rentals, and Chalets. So Collectionist is a term um, in Urban Dictionary. That's not a real dictionary, but it is a term in Urban Dictionary. S- somewhat, oh, this is added because of us. 
I was going to say, August 20, probably. 2019. We're in Urban Dictionary, basically, because of, because of the Tales of the Games. It's August 20, 2019. That was right after we went to yeah. Long Island. Someone who collects items or antiques based on their hobby. Example, video games, coins, vintage items, toys, etc. Another term for what is commonly known as collector. Do you have Super Nintendos? I want to acquire one because I am a collectionist. Yeah. Wow. Thanks so much, uh, Sweet Chi One, for adding us into... <laughs> Um, into Urban Nationary. I never knew that was there. All right. I'm going to thumbs that up there. <laughs> so th- thanks so much for this, uh, for that. That was, that was, that was entertaining, everyone. All right. That's it for this podcast. Yeah. yeah. I think that's it. Okay. That's it. We sold some cereal. Sold, sold some shirts. We did. We had a good time. We talked about stuff. Hopefully we made a couple of you laugh along the way. <laughs> You laughed, you loved, you cried. We had, you had a full day, as yep. Jimmy V would say. That's a full day. La- laugh, no, la- it's laugh. What is it? Laugh, cry, and love. Is that what he said, Jimmy V? Remember that last speech you did? Jimmy V. Yeah. I doubt it. Oh, Jimmy V. All right. Uh, we'll see you next week. I'm going to have an announcement, a video game year's announcement next week. Uh, it'll be decent. It won't be the best thing ever, but you'll like it. You're not going to hate it. I'm really, really pumping it up, Pat. Not gonna hate the announcement. <laughs> enjoy your enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Be safe. Eat some food. Get your vax if you had. I'm, I got invited to a party that we're all gonna be vax. So it'd be like, holy shit, I'm around people again. It's gonna be weird. Nice. It's gonna be weird. I think it is. It's strange. It's fun, but it's strange. I'm not wearing my mask there. I don't think. But Takes I'm, a lot of energy out of me. Like I like I like social situations, but it's been a year of none of them. And I got to get back into it. Yeah, yet? like. It's it's great, but like it, it it's almost exhausting. Wow. Okay. Well, the food's gonna make up for it. I'm sure it's gonna be yummy food. Yes. And then the Mets come to town in a week after that. Enjoy the NBA playoffs as well. All right. Let's go. Let's go, Suns. We'll see you later.